Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother Welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast, live on itsyourradio.com. On this Thursday, May the 18th, 2017, again here on itsyourradio.com, I am your host, Brian Sendek. With me, as always, is the co-host, Ryan Motorola. Ryan, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good, buddy. How about you? Doing pretty good myself, and we have a lot, and I mean a lot, to talk about within the next two hours as so much has gone on over the past week in the world of professional wrestling, and more is going to be happening this upcoming weekend, man. What a great time to be a wrestling fan. One of the busiest um, months, uh, parts of the year for wrestling, period, because so much is going on with every wrestling company, whether it's the WWE or on the independent circuit. Of course, this weekend is a big weekend for the WWE, as on Saturday they have their next TakeOver event for NXT, NXT TakeOver Chicago, which should be yet another great show, one of the best TakeOver cards that I have ever seen. Four championships are on the line, as well as some other marquee matchups, so I cannot wait to predict that. And then on Sunday, the first SmackDown-exclusive brand pay-per-view of the new WWE year is happening, and that is, of course, Backlash. Uh, Randy Orton will be defending the WWE Championship against Jinder Mahal. AJ Styles will challenge Kevin Owens for the United States Championship. Shinsuke Nakamura has his first main roster match against Dolph Ziggler. Going to preview and predict that as well in the second hour. Also, if you are a big fan of Evolve Wrestling, they have two big events going on this weekend. Evolve 84 and Evolve 85, of course. Evolve 84, Royal Rum- Ro- excuse me, Royal Ramble alum... Former guest on the show, Ethan Page, will be challenging Zack Sabre Jr. for the Evolve Championship. If Zack Sabre Jr. successfully defends that title, then at Evolve 85, he'll defend the belt against Leo Rush, who's one of the hottest wrestlers in the world today. So we got to preview and predict all those shows going on this week, and we're going to do that in the second hour. But we also have a lot of recapping to do. As so much has gone on over the past couple of days, especially for Ring of Honor, who... Last weekend, concluded their ring, their War of the Worlds tour with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Myself and Ryan got the chance to be in attendance at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City for the War of the Worlds pay-per-view. A lot went down that night, so we're going to give you guys our full recap for that. Also, for New Japan Pro Wrestling, yesterday morning, it was the official beginning of the 24th annual Best of the Super Juniors Tournament, one of the biggest and best wrestling tournaments in the world. And and so far, two days in, it has been one heck of a tournament. So many great matches have already gone on, and we still have a couple of weeks of this tournament, so cannot wait to see a lot more action. So we're going to give our full recap on that. So it is a busy show, people. Before we jump into all of it, you guys know uh, you guys know the deal you want to follow us on social media, go right ahead on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. 
And follow us on the Instagram as well at Royal Ramble Wrestling. If you guys happen to miss our show live here on itsyourradio.com, don't forget, hit the subscribe button. Subscribe to us on both iTunes and Stitcher. Every episode will be uploaded the day after we record them. So please, guys, hit the subscribe button and also give us a rating. Give us what your thoughts are about our show. We want to hear from you guys. So there you have it. Let's jump into it, Ryan. So much to get into, and we will start first things first with what transpired this past weekend, Ring of Honor slash New Japan Pro Wrestling War of the Worlds Tour. This was their final big event. I know they held a uh, house show, a TV taping in Philadelphia, but in New York City, live on pay-per-view, this was the final big event, basically, for the War of the Worlds Tour. So much went down. A lot of title matches were happening. Some great interactions from both Ring of Honor superstars and New Japan wrestlers as well. And we got the start, of course, with what was the biggest thing that happened on that show. And it was the situation regarding Adam Cole. Now, we all know Adam Cole's contract is up with Ring of Honor. So, his match with Hiroshi Tanahashi was going to be one of his final matches ever in Ring of Honor. Everybody in that building knew that he was he's on his way out. So... First and foremost, a good match with Hiroshi Tanahashi. This was a dream match for many people. For for Adam Cole especially, he's mentioned it before that he's wanted to fight, uh, wanted to wrestle Tanahashi for years. He got his opportunity, and it was a very fun match. He did lose the matchup. And when we were, when we were previewing this show, and we were previewing the match between him and Tanahashi, we basically said, you know, we're going to be on the lookout to see what's going to happen with Adam Cole after the match is over. Because we know with him leaving, Ring of Honor has to find some way to write him off their show, write him off their company. All right, They're not going to let this guy just win or lose and just walk away just like that. They got to write him off. So we were waiting for it. So after the match is over, Adam Cole was soaking in all the adulation, you know, you know, thanking the fans for their respect. And thank, thanking the fans for, for all the successful years that he had. The Young Bucks come out. And Adam Cole's looking at the fans. The Young Bucks are right behind him. He's not looking at them. And the Young Bucks were ready to super kick him. Adam turns around. Young Bucks are kidding. They're hugging him. They're you know wishing him the best. Blah, blah, blah. Then the lights go out. A couple of seconds later, bam, on the big screen is none other than the Bullet Club leader, Kenny Omega. Now, funny story here. Uh, when we were when me and Ryan were texting each other at the show, Ryan was sitting by the entranceway, and he heard from somebody. I'm not sure if this guy was a security guy or some other guy that works for the company, but he mentioned to Ryan that Kenny Omega is in the building. He's here. So of course Ryan had to text me that. I'm freaking pumped up to see what's gonna happen. I was convinced Omega was gonna appear in the building. He appeared, but he was not in the building. This was pre-taped. And basically, it was Kenny Omega saying, you're fired, Adam Cole. You try to fire the Unbucks. You're not in control anymore. We're going to send your ass away. But in the meantime, with you gone, we're going to replace you with somebody. And then he mentioned, I forgot what the exact quote was. Every club, I think, needs a villain. Or in every story, there's a hero and there's a villain. I'm not sure what Kenny Omega exactly said, but it was something about like that. Every story, there's a hero, and there's also a villain. And when he mentioned the word villain, the camera slightly tilts to the left, and there's Marty Skrull. And from that moment on, that was the beginning of Marty Skrull's introduction to the Bullet Club. Next thing you know, lights go out. They come back on. Here's Marty Skrull in the ring. He's got his Bullet Club shirt. He's got the Bullet Club umbrella. 
pandemonium. Plain and simple, pandemonium. Was it shocking to me? A little bit and not really. I, it was a little bit shocking because I because I, I never envisioned Marty Skrull to be part of the Bullet Club. I thought Marty was going to be on his own for his whole time in Ring of Honor. But also at the same time, if you watch closely the Be in the Elite videos, Marty Skrull has been in so many videos that you just had to think that something's going on. Something big is going on involving Marty Skrull and the Young Bucks and maybe the entire Bullet Club. And there you have it. Next thing you know, Adam Cole's kicked out of the Bullet Club. Here comes Marty Skrull, and he is re- his replacement. The Bucks super kick Cole. Marty finishes him off with an umbrella shot to the head, and that was it. And that was an insane moment. The place was jumping, and it was a shocker. It really was, man. To see Marty Skrull as the newest member of the Bullet Club is incredible. It, it really is, because I never envisioned Marty Skrull of being that type of person to join that type of faction. I thought Marty Skrull was always going to be a loner, be by himself, do his own thing. But now that he's a part of one of the biggest factions in the business, is going to skyrocket Marty Skrull even more. Even if he's not skyrocketed right now. All right, Ever since Marty came to Ring of Honor, he's been one of the hottest acts in that company. And he can just continues to make a big name for himself. Now that he's aligned himself with one of the best factions in the business... He's going to get even more recognition than what he has right now. So what a moment. Again, for Adam Cole, we wish him the best of luck. He's officially done with Ring of Honor. He has other things in store for the fans. Is he going to WWE yet? Maybe not. But you have to believe at some point he will be. And Marty Skrull, newest member of the Bullet Club, that was an incredible moment. And what a moment for us, me and Ryan, to be in attendance for that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been a part of some pretty cool things in professional wrestling. You know, I've been to a lot of events, seen a lot of cool things. This, by far, has to be one of the best things I have ever seen live. I mean, like you said, Brian, the whole entire thing was just executed to perfection. It really, really went over really well. And, uh, you know, again, like you said, it was shocking. It was shocking to every single person in the building. But you know what? Thinking back at it now, and you know, you mentioned the being the elite videos, and if anybody keeps up with that, you know the storylines and whatnot with Marty Skrull, Adam Cole, and the Bucks. We should have seen this coming. I mean, you know, here here we are last week talking about how you know Adam Cole is going to have a send off. He's going to you know give a speech and whatnot. But what happens to every single member of the Bullet Club that leaves to go to WWE or some other company? You know, they get kicked out, and they get kicked out and replaced by somebody, and then you have a new leader or what whatever. Uh, and that's exactly what happened here. Like you said, I mean, uh, you know, I was sitting next to the entrance ramp and some guy told me Omega was here. I kind of did not believe it because, again, he's got visa issues. We all know that. If Omega was going to be in the building, he was going to be on the car. Okay? He wasn't just going to appear out of nowhere. Even though, you know, again, it, it did make sense at the time. That's why I got all excited and, you know, I texted you, Brian, because, you know, it made sense. And then when he gets on the screen and starts talking and then it pans over to Marty Skrull. I was like, oh my god, Marty's going to join the Bullet Club. Then the lights go out, and, you know, sitting by the entrance ramp, Marty just ran right past me. So, you know, again, lights went out. If nobody else saw it, you know, he, he was clearly obvious. He was running to the ring for something. Uh, and I knew right away. I was like, he, he's, he's a new member of the Bullet Club. He has to be. There's no way. Lights go back on, like you said. And once he took, you know, he once he opened up the umbrella and had the Bullet Club logo in it,
some technical difficulties going on with uh, Ryan. We can't hear him right now. But, yeah, he's uh, making a, a pretty solid point about this whole situation with uh, Marty Skrull. And the whole just sequence was, was perfection. The way they executed it was very, very well done. Um, again, like Ryan said, we should have saw this coming. Because if you guys follow the Being the Elite videos, I mean, that's where the story was going, basically. You know, Marty Skrull was was a part of every video. He was getting involved with what the Young Bucks were doing, what Adam Cole was doing. And then the whole story when they were in California, uh, young, uh, Nick Jackson got sick at the airport. He found out that he had food poisoning. It was originally Adam Cole, but Cole blamed on Marty Skrull. And that's what led to Marty Skrull getting kicked out of Being the Elite. And the whole justice for Marty hashtag started beginning on social media. And we should have saw it coming, basically. And then, of course, we find out after the show was over Friday, they put out a new video of being the elite. And we saw the behind the scenes of what was actually going on. And then Marty Scott basically showed the unbucks the video that was hidden of Adam Cole t t telling Marty Skrull that he poisoned Nick. And then we all know what happens next. Kenny Omega uh, officially... Bringing in Marty Skrull to be a part of the Bullet Club faction. And it was just such a surreal moment. I mean, first off, so honored to be uh, in attendance for that. You know, that was my second Ring of Honor show that i ever been to. My first one was in Philadelphia. It was a, a normal house show. But this was actually my first uh, pay-per-view that I ever uh, went to. And it was a success. It really was. And it's, that's just funny with Ring of Honor these days is that... You know, for the past couple of months, we've been talking about, you know, how much trouble the company's in right now because they're, they're losing talent left and right. I mean, every single week, every single month, you're seeing another name leaving Ring of Honor. And we keep asking ourselves, how are they going to overcome all these casualties? How are they going to overcome all these losses to continue to put on a great show, great product every single week? And I mean, yeah, and the New Japan stars helped out big time, you know, to bring in some big names over from New Japan like uh, Tanahashi, Naito, um, Hiroki Goto, Kushida definitely helped. But still, a lot of the Ring of Honor stars made names, names for themselves that night, and one of them was Marty Skrull, who before, of course, joining the Bullet Club, he had a very good match with Matt Seidel for the ROH TV title. Um, of course, the Young Bucks continue to be the hottest act that the company has right now. They had a, tre a tremendous tag team match with Bushi and uh, Tetsuya Naito. Very fun match that was. And so many other guys made names for themselves. But when we look back at this event, everyone's going to remember the whole Marty Skrull situation with Adam Cole. And again, for Adam Cole, definitely uh, a disappointment for Ring of Honor that they're going to be losing what you can make a case for is the is has been the biggest star of that company for the past three to four years. I mean, I know there's been other big names that have wrestled there, but when you when you think about it long and hard, who's really been the big face of that company for the past four years? It has been Adam Cole. You know, whether or not you know he was the champion or not, Adam Cole was, if not the biggest draw in that company, other than the Unbox, of course. And you can also make an argument, Jay Briscoe, and um. Even uh, guys like uh, J uh, Michael Elgin were big draws, and I think we got Ryan back. Ryan, are you there? I'm here. Sorry about uh, that. Having a yeah, bunch just... of uh, technical problems over at my house, so. Uh, but now I'm on the phone. So. Yep. Good to have you on. Uh, we're just talking about uh, the rest of the show uh, uh, on Ring of Honor, and we mentioned some of the other matches because, like I said, when we look back at this show couple months from now or even a year from now we're gonna remember this whole um situation with marty Skrull, this whole moment of uh, adam cole getting kicked out and then seeing marty Skrull um 
joined the Bullet Club, but there was so much other stuff that happened on the show. I mean, we'll start off with the main event. Like, I felt so bad for Cody Rhodes, Chris Daniels, and Jay Lethal that they had to come out after that moment. Because when you look back and watch the match, which was a very good match, by the way, but the atmosphere was just dead because everyone used all their energy, all their excitement, on the Marty Skrull segment that he joined the Bullet Club. After that, people were so tired out that they didn't even give reactions to the main event. So to see Daniels, Lethal, and Rhodes put in a spot where they had to um, follow after that segment, I felt kind of bad for them. I mean, if you were going to roll with that segment with Adam Cole, I would have had that last, but I understand. You know, the Ring of Honor title still is the biggest meaning in your company. It always has the main event, which I agree. You know, you always want to have your main championship as the final match of your shows. But still, man, when you have that type of moment, those moments are usually saved for the final part of the show. And and, and I forgot, too, when that moment happened, I thought the show was over. I'm like, oh, what a great way to end the show. And then, next thing you know... Christopher Daniels is on the Tynatron, and this was the video package uh, leading up to the big triple threat match. I go, oh, shit, we got one more match to go. I forgot about it. So if there was something that Ring of Honor kind of messed up with the show is that, you know, they had to put three guys in a tough spot to follow the act that happened before them. And that was a huge turn of events where Adam Cole got kicked out of the Bullet Club and Marty Skrull was the newest member. I thought they should have saved that for last. But again... I, I understand why they put the main event title match last because, again, the Ring of Honor World title is the biggest part of that show. It has the biggest meaning, and it will always main event a show. But when you have a big moment just like that happening where you're kicking somebody out of a, of a top faction, you're bringing somebody in, those moments are usually safe for last. It wasn't at this point, and I thought that was kind of a mistake because I just think the fans didn't really give enough you know effort to watch and to cheer for this main event match that went down, you know, and that's a tough spot for guys like Daniels, Rhodes, and Lethal to fill, because they know that after that segment was over, you know, they're gonna have to try to put together a great match for the fans to tune in. I mean, I'm not saying the fans weren't watching the match; they were, but you know, when when we were there live in attendance, the the crowd was dead, and I don't blame them because they used all their energy on that one segment of Adam Cole getting kicked out of the Bullet Club. And Marty Scroll becoming the newest member. So, I, again, you know, that was one part of the show where I was like, you know what, that kind of was a bad move. If you're going to have this type of uh, moment happening, save it for the final part of the show. Make it a very good ending. Because, again, you know, a lot of people forgot that there was a main event match going on. You know, a lot of people forgot that, holy shit, we got more of a match to go. We got the world title match. And in there in attendance, the fans, you can just hear from them that just weren't all that enthused. They didn't have the enough energy to be sparked, to be excited for this matchup. And again, it was a shame because it was a good match. I watched the match over, um, you know, from the pay-per-view, from the broadcaster's uh, booth where, uh, where Kevin Kelly was commentating with Cole Cabana. And I forgot the other guy's name. I keep forgetting his name. The new uh, broadcaster for the sh- uh, for the company with uh, Steve Carino no longer there and Nigel McGinnis as well. Uh, it was a good match. You know, Christopher Daniels retaining was not a surprise whatsoever. Um, again, you know, Jay Lethal... Had his run as champion. It went very well. But do I ever see him becoming champion ever again? I highly doubt it. I think his days as champion are over with. And Cody Rhodes is not fully committed, not signed with Ring of Honor. He just makes appearances. So I never see the company ever giving their world championship to a guy that is not fully signed with the company. If Cody Rhodes was fully signed, 
then there was a good chance that he was going to win that match. But because he has other places he works for, like TNA, like throughout the independent wrestling scene, I just couldn't see it. You know, Especially with him working for TNA, there's no way that Ring of Honor was going to let Cody Rhodes walk into TNA with their championship. That was never going to happen. So if and when Cody Rhodes signs full-time, because I definitely think at some point... He may want to commit to one show, one company, and I think the best company for him to commit is Ring of Honor because, you know, they get more exposure. I'm not, not really going to say that, but they got a bigger following than TNA does. I think, you know, if he does sign with them, I think he will become champion. But as of right now, he's not at that point. So the question then becomes, all right, who is going to dethrone Christopher Daniels as champion? Because with Adam Cole no longer there... You know, the, the, the main event tile pitcher is getting very thin. Maybe Marty Skrull jumps into that pitcher now with him losing his TV tile the day after, which you got to talk about, of course, what happened with that. Uh, maybe Marty Skrull makes a jump up to the, main, to, the, to the main event scene. So overall, though, you know, that was a tremendous segment with Marty Skrull, with Adam Cole and kicking out Adam Cole of the Bullet Club. But I, I didn't like the move that, that that was not safe for last because that would have been a great way to end the show. And I just felt bad for guys like Christopher Daniels, Jay Lethal, and Cody Rose that they had to follow that act. That's very tough to follow. But anyways, in that match, very good match and a big win for Daniels as he is still your uh, Ring of Honor World Champion. Yeah, that's what I was in the middle of saying before I got cut off. I, you couldn't even concentrate on the main event because of what transpired beforehand. So, you know, again, like I was saying, you know, you can't put Hiroshi Tanahashi and Adam Cole in the main event. I mean, again, that's not really... You know, again, I was looking forward to that match, and it was a good match. But, you know, over the world title, you, you just can't do that. And, uh, again, you know, they had to do it, though. They had to kick Adam Cole out, and they had to, like I said, everything was executed so perfectly. The only thing was that should have been what left, uh, you know, us going home happy uh, was that segment because then you know, it would have just generated a little bit more buzz walking out of there. I mean, everybody was talking about it walking out of there. I mean, I didn't hear anybody go, talking about Chris Daniels retaining the Ring of Honor World title when the when it was all said and done, you know, walking outside of the event. Everybody was just talking about the Marty Skrull segment. So, yeah, I mean, tough act for them to follow, but I guess they really had no choice. Again, Ring of Honor can't just not put the world title last. It's not something that they do. Uh, you know, WWE is known for not putting, you know, their championships uh, matches on last sometimes over things like, you know, a Brock Lesnar match or something like that. In Ring of Honor, their priority is the world title, and they put that on last, rightfully so. Again, like you said, you got to understand where they're coming from in doing that. But uh, the triple threat match is pretty good. Uh, again, you know, very difficult to concentrate on it. You knew Chris Daniels was going to retain. We both predicted that as well. Like you said, Brian, for obvious reasons with Cody Rhodes not being signed, and Jay Lethal basically just hanging out. I mean, I was shocked that he even re-signed with Ring of Honor in the first place. Like you said, will he ever become champion again? I don't really see a point, to be honest with you. I just feel like he's just there. Uh, he's just hanging around. He's there to be put in these type of matches, the triple threat match. And again, he's a tremendous talent, but again, don't ever see him becoming world champion in Ring of Honor. So yeah, who knows who's going to dethrone Christopher Daniels, but you might as well let him have a decent run with his belt because there is nobody there Besides maybe Marty Skrull, but I wouldn't rush that right now. I wouldn't rush him to the title picture, rush him to winning the title. I, I would, you know, calm down with that a little bit. When Adam Cole joined the Bullet Club last year around this time, he didn't win the title until August. That's that's before dishonor. So maybe that happens with Marty Skrull. I don't know. Uh, but Christopher Daniels should hold on to the title right now. He's a good talent. He deserves it. 
And like I said, until there's somebody ready to take it off of him, I would hold off on that. But overall, like you said, Brian, it was a tremendous event. The Ring of Honor pay-per-views never, ever disappoint. And again, it was just another terrific show. Uh, and it was awesome being there live. And there were a lot of great matches, of course, on the show. I mentioned it before. The Unbox versus Naito and Bushi was very, very fun to watch. I mean, the interaction between the Bucks and Naito was just so surreal. I know they've been on multiple shows together, but I don't think we've ever seen the Unbox have that interaction against Naito. Very cool experience um, that was. Again, Marty Skrull successfully retained the television title over Matt Seidel, which wind up being... I think Matt Seidel's last match of Ring of Honor, I heard a rumor that that was his final night with Ring of Honor and that he's fully going to TNA. So, and again, another loss for Ring of Honor. Matt Seidel has been one of their best performers for the past three years, and now he's gone going to TNA. Another loss for Ring of Honor. But out of all these great matches, Ryan, there was one match that stood out the most, and it was a match that nobody thought was going to be the show stealer. It was the fourth match of the night. And it was a match between two of the brightest young wrestlers right now, not just Ring of Honor, but in the wrestling world today. And that is the aerial assassin Will Ospreay and Jay White. And I mean, people, if you did not check this match out, I highly advise you to check this match out. I mean, first and foremost, I was surprised that they got a good amount of time. They were the fourth match on the show. They got about 15 minutes of work, maybe a little bit less. And in those 15 minutes of work, man, they did some incredible stuff in that match. I mean, the chemistry was outstanding. The spots in the match were outstanding. It led to a point where the fans just had to stand up and just cheer, this is awesome. And I never thought we would ever hear that in this type of matchup where, you know, they're the fourth match in the card. I mean, we all know how good Will Ospreay is, but a guy, Jay White, who's been good, but he really hasn't stood out. This was Jay White's coming out party, all right? And let's be honest, we mentioned it numerous times. Ring of Honor has got to find newer talent to lead the future. They have lost too many guys. They got to find from within their company who is going to lead this company to the future. Jay White is a young guy, and he's been with Ring of Honor now for over a year, and he's had some good matches, not great matches. He's been more involved with tag team matches and singles matches, but nonetheless, he's been a good talent. This is the match that he will, that stood out to me the most. And this could be the match that skyrockets Jay White to bigger, better things in Ring of Honor. I mean, this was probably his best match of his entire career. I can't remember any better match that he's done. Um, and we all know how great Will Ospreay is. I mean, this guy has been on fire as of late. we got to talk about some of his other matches, of course, that have gone on for the past week. He has been killing it as of late. But, man... The spots in this match were just nuts, especially that final, like one of the final spots where Will Ospreay was doing his little, you know, moonsault flippy stuff, and um, he, like the cartwheel moonsault he usually does. Jay White basically catches him in midair, and he spikes his head on the mat in like in the form of a tombstone pile driver, but it didn't look that way. Like he literally just took Will Ospreay's head and smashed it on the mat. I couldn't believe Will Ospreay actually got up from that and continued to wrestle. And then the final sequence of the match, he does the little shooting star moonsault off the top rope onto the outside, lands on Jay White. And then five seconds later, bam, Os cut it out of nowhere. And the match is over 1-2-3. Those guys got a standing ovation, and they deserved it, man. They surprised many people. They had the best match of the night. There's no other match from that card that could rival it. Rival it. The only possible match that could was the uh, the Young Bucks versus Naito Bushi match. But, man, what Jay White and Will Ospreay were able to do in that match 
was tremendous stuff. And again, you know, if there is a match that is going to skyrocket Jay White to the next level, it's going to be this match, all right? Because again, Jay White's been around for a little while now with Ring of Honor. He's been a very good talent, but he really hasn't taken that next step. This match with Will Ospreay, he got recognized. And he's going to get bigger, better opportunities because they lost so many big-name talents to other companies for the past year. So what a great match. Again, if you guys have not checked it out, please check it out. It was the best match of the night. And if you're a fan of Jay White, this was the best match of his career. All right? This is going to be the match that puts White on the map. And it was another tremendous performance by Will Ospreay, who was one of the best young studs, one of the best young wrestlers in the game today. So, again, we're going to look back at the show, look at what Marty Skrull and, and Adam Cole did in that segment that kicked out Cole the Bullet Club. But in terms of matches, if there's one match that stood out the most – at Friday's show, War of the Worlds, it was by far the Jay White-Will Ospreay match. Please check it out. Awesome match. Yeah, by far. Like you said, in terms of, of actually wrestling, uh, you know, that was the best match on, on the entire show. Again, like, you know, everybody's going to remember it, like you said, for Marty Skrull joining the Bullet Club. But also because of this match, you know, I think Dave Meltzer even gave it a high rating as well. Uh, you know, again, well-deserved for both these guys, like you said, we know what Will Ospreay is capable of, so it wasn't a shock to me at all, I mean, how good he did in this match. But it really shocked me to see how well Jay White worked with Will Ospreay here. And like you said, this is going to definitely skyrocket him and put him on the map. If nobody knows who Jay White is, they do now after watching that because he really, really held his own throughout the entire thing. I mean, so many times where I thought he was, he was done, he, he was going to lose. And he just kicks out, and I'm telling you, just the hard-hitting shots that he throws at Will Ospreay, and Ospreay throwing it back, and again, Ospreay, of course, doing his flippy shit and all that stuff, which, you know, is great, it's fine, it's entertaining as hell, but man, let me tell you, nobody's talking about Will Ospreay coming out of that one, everybody's talking about how good Jay White did, because nobody expected that, and again, like you said, Brian, it's going to easily put him on the map, I mean, I, mean I, I haven't seen too many Jay White matches, uh, you know, lately, I mean, I have kept up with Ring of Honor, so... I do know, I'm, I am aware of, like, what he's all about. But, again, I think, you know, Will Ospreay was the perfect opponent for him because those two just worked tremendously together. Uh, again, if they keep feeding him good opponents like, you know, like Ospreay, again, I'm curious to see how he does with those guys. So I definitely want to see more of Jay White after watching him and Ospreay tear it up at the pay-per-view. So, uh, you know, again, the finishing sequence, too, is awesome where Ospreay does that, uh, that flip on the outside and throws White right back in and, sets up for the off cutter and it's just so exciting man i'm telling you just that that was by far the best match uh got the crowd into it got it pumped up uh i didn't expect that match to be as good as it actually was so kudos to those two guys and like you said definitely looking forward to seeing more of jay white because from here on out he's going to be put on the map and just going through the rest of the card uh bully ray and the briscoes uh retained the ring of honor six-man tag team titles defeating Rapongi Vice and Hiroki Goto. If there was one match that disappointed to me, that was the match. Simply because, you know, before the match started, Bully Ray came out and announced it was a no-disqualification match, and I just didn't think they utilized that stipulation to the best of its ability. I mean, there were some good spots in the match. You know, you had a couple of chair moments. Uh, you also had the uh, Bully Ray powerbomb. Uh, I think it was either Rocky Romero or Trent Barretta through a table, which ended the match. But when you see a no-disqualification match added... And you have guys like Bully Ray and the Briscoes who have been known for their hardcore style. Even Trent Barretta, who's had a lot of hardcore matches in his career, you expected a lot better, and we didn't get that. So it, it was a fine match, but when you see that stipulation added and the talents in the match that have that history, 
I expected better, and we didn't get better. So, but overall, Briscoe's Bully Ray still the six-man tag team champions. Uh, Dalton Castle won a won a fatal four-way match that kicked off the show, beating Kushida, Bobby Fish, and Silas Young. I'm not sure if that's Bobby Fish's last match with the company. We all know Fish is probably going to be out as well, but a nice win for Dalton Castle. Uh, Adam Hangman Page defeated Frankie Kazarian. Very solid match. Short, but good for what it was. Uh, we also had a... Um, a triple threat tag team match. War Machine uh, took on uh, Evil and Sonata of LIJ as well as uh, Jonathan Gresham and Chris Sabin. Very solid match that was. I mean, what else is there to say when it comes to War Machine? I mean, it's just amazing that these two guys who are both are over 270 to 280 pounds, the way they move. I mean, Hanson's over 300. Ray Marone's, Ray Rose around 270, 280. And these guys move like cruiserweights. It's amazing how athletically gifted both these guys are. They have tremendous chemistry. Very fun match. I mean, first time seeing Evil and Sonata in person. Very cool to see two highly underrated talents in wrestling period. Those two guys have great futures ahead of them in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But uh, overall, again, it was a very solid show. I mean, we talked about before uh, how many times you know Ring of Honor's backs are against the wall because they continue to lose talent. They've lost so many guys. Over the year, it's incredible. But even so, with all the losses, they managed to continue to put together great shows. And Friday's show was no different. So many great moments, so many great matches. And again, to be there in person, to experience it all. And and to mention as well, I got the chance to meet the Young Bucks, to meet Adam Cole, to meet Marty Skrull again. And that was a cool experience as well. So again, one of the best shows I've ever been to. I've been to a lot of wrestling shows as of late. And this was by far one of my favorites. Overall, again, you know, Ring of Honor continues to defy the odds as they put together another solid show. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we talk about how all the losses for Ring of Honor lately. But you know what? I mean, look at all the talent that they've lost over the years. I mean, going way back when, too, when they lost all the guys that are basically in the WWE right now. I mean, they lost CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, Tyler Black. I mean, they always find a way to, to get through it and, you know, get more talent. And I just saw on Twitter today that they signed Flip Gordon. If anybody's unfamiliar with him, he's a very solid talent. I don't think he's a main event star, but he's a solid addition to the roster. I mean, they're doing something. They're making moves. They're constantly, you know, replacing guys. I mean, they know what they just lost in Adam Cole. It's blatantly obvious that he was one of the best that Ring of Honor has ever produced. Uh, but again, you know, Christine is another one, too. Big name, one of the biggest stars in Ring of Honor. They lost him. Roderick Strong, they lost him. They've lost a lot of guys over the years. And like you said, Brian, they continue to get through it. I mean, they do. And the relationship with New Japan, it's going to help them out a lot, too, because they can always get talent from there. If they're struggling with you know matches for a pay-per-view, they can always grab some New Japan talent here and there. I mean, like you said, we'll get into it in a minute, but Kushida is the new Ring of Honor television champion. Okay, That's a talent from New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, again, that working relationship really helps them out as well. So I'm not worried for Ring of Honor's sake. I think they'll find a way to battle through it. And, again, you know, we're, we're so used to seeing Adam Cole in there and everything. But I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to see what guy steps up now in Adam Cole's place and becomes the next big star in Ring of Honor. Because Ring of Honor, that's what they do. They produce big-time stars that eventually make it to the WWE. So it's going to be very cool to see. But like you said, yeah, overall, the event was just awesome from start to finish. Being there live made it even all that much better. 
again, like you said, another Ring of Honor pay-per-view that didn't disappoint. I get to see a bad one, to be honest with you. And that's not me just being biased because Ring of Honor is one of my favorite wrestling companies out there. But, man, I'm telling you, I really enjoy their shows a lot more than I enjoy any other company's shows. So kudos to them and New Japan Pro Wrestling for another amazing event. Yeah, now, you mentioned it before with a uh, new Ring of Honor World Television Champion. That's what happened the night after as Marty Skrull dropped his belt to Kushida just like that. And we also mentioned it on the show last week that Marty Skrull was not going to drop this belt anytime soon. And whoop-de-doo, we have a new Ring of Honor Television Champion. But I think with that happening, it tells me that Marty Skrull is going to take the big jump to the main to the main event scene. Because, again, you know, Ring of Honor needs it. They have lost a lot of main eventers. They just lost Adam Cole. And when you look at the main event picture, there's Chris Daniels, of course. There's Jay Lethal, who's always going to be around to have matches. When Cody Rhodes ever appear, uh, whenever Cody Rhodes appears, he's going to be involved in the title scene. But other than that, there's not a lot there, and they're going to need new main eventers. And I'm, I'm not saying Marty Skrull should get a title shot right away. No, you know, let this play out. You know, make it slow, keep it slow. Just build a Marty Skrull as a part of Bullet Club, and then when the time is right, then have him go after the World Championship. But I think with Marty losing the title, the Ring of Honor television title, it tells me that he's taking the next step forward in Ring of Honor, and that is becoming a main eventer, and that is possibly becoming the new Ring of Honor world champion. So, But overall, Kushida, the new television champion, if there was anybody that I thought was going to beat Skrull, I never thought it was going to be Kushida for the simple reason he's from New Japan. But we've seen it before in the past with Tomohiro Ishii, he was television champion for, what, good four months when he beat Roderick Strong, and then he lost the belt to uh, Bobby Fish uh, a couple months later. So, you know, we've seen it before. Some New Japan stars get the chance to hold Ring of Honor titles, but probably not going to be a long run for Kushida because, again, he does more commitments to New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's not always going to be around in Ring of Honor. So, But that was a little bit of a shocking decision to see Kushida knock off Marty Skrull. And we also had some new debuts go on in Ring of Honor. You mentioned it before, Ryan. Travis Flip Gordon, the newest signee for Ring of Honor. Good solid pickup. Young guy. Bright future ahead of him. We don't know what he's going to be when he goes to Ring of Honor. Right now, we look at him as a mid-carder, possibly lower-level guy. But you never know. He goes to Ring of Honor, has some you know tweaks in his character. If he finds a good character, gets a lot of buzz, he could be a main eventer. We don't know. He's got a lot of room to grow. Um, they also signed Simon Grimm, who, of course, was once known as Simon Gotch uh, in WWE. He was a former tag team champion with, a with uh, Aiden English. He's a part of Ring of Honor. And probably the biggest pickup was Chuck Taylor, who returned to Ring of Honor. Chuck Taylor was a former Ring of Honor superstar, was gone from Ring of Honor for many years, did a lot of stuff on the independents, specifically for PWG and Evolve Wrestling. He made a surprise return in a six-man tag team match where it was uh, Bullet Club, versus Rapungi Vice and a mystery partner, and that mystery partner was Chuck Taylor. So that's a pretty big, not a big pickup, but still a good pickup. Chuck Taylor's a main name on the independent scene. But again, you know, if you're Ring of Honor, you want to continue to keep this momentum going, you want to continue to uh, have great shows, you're going to need to find newer talent because every single month we're hearing a new name is leaving the company. I mean, I thought about this today, the list of guys that this company has lost in the past year. It's a very big list of guys. Roger Strong was a part of Ring of Honor for 13 years. He's no longer there. We just lost Adam Cole. He may go down as the greatest Ring of Honor superstar of all time. Only man in history for that company to be a three-time Ring of Honor world champion. They lost Kyle O'Reilly, who for so many years had success in Ring of Honor as a tag champion and as a singles champion. 
And then you lost some th- from some great future guys. You lost Keith Lee. You lost Leo Rush. You lost Donovan Dijak. You lost ACH. So many big names that were a part of that company's success. No longer there. And I heard this story. I, I forgot who told me this story, but... The reason why Keith Lee is no longer with Ring of Honor is not because Evolve was a better opportunity for him, but because I heard that the Ring of Honor officials never saw Keith Lee as a singles guy. Really? You never saw a a guy that's 290 pounds that can do a tope con hello at that weight? You never saw him as a singles guy? You wanted him to be a tag team wrestler, which I get, but still... You could have never, you never had the idea of giving this guy a singles push down the road. That's nuts. Keith Lee's proven those guys wrong. He is killing it right now. So is Leo Rush. So is Donovan Dijak. Again, you know, there's so many big losses, but in the very end, Ring of Honor continues to outdo themselves and they continue to surprise people as they continue to put on very good shows. And hopefully, these recent acquisitions of Gordon, of Grimm and of Chuck Taylor and possibly more. We don't know yet who they can also sign because there's a lot of good talent on the independents to sign. You know, that's a good sign for Ring of Honor that they're, they're, they're starting to bring some people in because they got to, all right? Their roster is very thin. It really is. They got some young talent there, but they got to add more talent to keep this momentum going for Ring of Honor. They need more talent, and hopefully guys like Gordon, Grimm, and Taylor can come in and make a solid impact, along with the current talent and along with the New Japan stars. So, again, Marty Skrull, no longer TV champion. A little bit of a bummer, but still, it tells us that Marty's taking that next step forward. And Kushida will be a good champion, no doubt about that. Uh, and we have some new faces coming to Ring of Honor. Simon Grimm, Chuck Taylor, and Travis Flip Gordon. And we'll see what those three guys are going to do for this company moving forward. And it should be interesting to see what happens in the summer for Ring of Honor. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, Marty Skrull no longer the TV champ. I think, you know, only positives come out of it. A lot of people are disappointed. But, again, how can you be disappointed? You know, again, that just shows that he's on to bigger and better things, you know? He had, he had a great run with the Ring of Honor television title. He's had it since, like, December. So, I mean, again, it, time comes to an end after a while. I mean, how much longer was he possibly going to go with himself? He needed to move on eventually. So, I think now is the perfect time. And again, I mean, he can only do great things with the Bullet Club. He's already in the Best of the Super Juniors tournament for New Japan Pro Wrestling. So he's already doing big things as a member of the Bullet Club. So I don't, he doesn't need a TV title anymore. Like you said, Kushida will be a good champion. If that means we see more Kushida and Ring of Honor, I mean, hey, it's a positive all around. So who knows how long of a reign he'll have? Who knows who will beat him? At this, you know, at, at this point, Ring of Honor is so unpredictable, you never know what's going to happen with them. I mean, again, like you said, nobody saw any of this coming from them this past weekend so they made headlines for sure again nothing is you know guaranteed in ring of honor Every, everything is just so unpredictable uh and it's great to see so uh, of course like you said the new additions to the roster uh you know simon gotch who is uh in wwe i don't know how good of a talent he's actually going to be as a singles competitor but i guess we'll see it's not a bad pickup i guess uh travis flip gordon we just mentioned he's tremendous i mean i've seen him at uh nywc wrestling or, or, you know over in deer park long island uh, you know, a couple of times, he's a very solid talent. And we all know what Chuck Taylor's, uh, you know, capable of. So we'll see. And hopefully this is uh, a sign of things to come for Ring of Honor as they shouldn't be done signing more people. They should keep going because those three talents are great, but you definitely need more with the losses that they've had. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you on that. So uh, we'll see what is upcoming next for Ring of Honor. 
We move ahead then to New Japan Pro Wrestling, who uh, yesterday morning was the beginning of their 24th annual Best of the Super Junior Tournament. And right out of the gate, it's starting off with a bang. I mean, the first two nights, we have seen already match of the year contenders, basically. Uh, Night one, every single participant in this tournament wrestled uh, for free as well on NewJapanWorld.com. So, you know, myself... Being a huge fan of Japan Pro Wrestling, wanted to watch this tournament. I woke up pretty early, got on my computer, and watched the show for free. And, again, very good first night. Uh, A lot of great matches. I mean, the matches that stood out to me, of course, the main event match between Dragon Lee and Hiromu Takahashi was outstanding. Again, when those two guys step into the ring, they will not disappoint you. I mean, and I like this match more than their recent encounter at the New Beginning show because at that match... They took too many risks. I mean, when you watch that match back at the new beginning, which I believe that was the show they wrestled at. I forgot which show, to be exact, they were wrestling at. They did a lot of crazy stuff in that match where both those guys could have gotten severely hurt. I mean, the spots they were doing on the outside, the multiple destroyers that Takahashi was hitting on Dragon Lee, some other crazy spots. They did a lot of damage to their bodies that night. And in this case, their second match, their the, the, the match that took place yesterday morning, there were some crazy spots, yes, but they were a little bit more safer. They they, they did a good amount of work with each other, uh, good back-and-forth action, more psychology. I like that. You want to see more in-ring psychology. And we saw the personal rivalry between these two guys unfold in this match. They do not like each other. They face each other everywhere, and they put on great matches. And that was no surprise, no different last uh, yesterday morning. And Dragon League winning the match, to me, was not a surprise. I know, you know, Takahashi should be the favorite winner in this tournament, but I want to be honest with you guys. I don't understand why Takahashi's in this tournament. I don't understand it. Now, I, I get it's the best of the Super Juniors, and there's no better Super Junior right now than Hiromu Takahashi because he's got the championship. But isn't the end game supposed to be whoever wins this tournament gets a title shot? So let's be honest. Takahashi should not be in this tournament. He should be waiting for whoever wins this tournament so he can face that next challenger because in the very end, whoever wins this tournament, that's who Takahashi's going to face. And it also tells us that Takahashi's not going to win this tournament. And I think he's just wasting a spot for somebody else that should be in this tournament. So I didn't understand why he's in it. But hey, with him involved, we are guaranteed one thing. We're going to see great matches. And that's what we saw yesterday morning between him and Dragon Lee. Very fun match. Nice win for Dragon Lee. Uh, and then Marty Skrull versus Will Ospreay, a match that I wanted to see the most because this was Marty Skrull's first match in Japan. What a success for Marty Skrull. I mean, first and foremost, he's over in Japan, and that's a positive because the biggest thing, if you're a wrestler going to Japan, you want to connect with the fans. You want the fans' approval of the, their, their approval of you. And, you know, that was definitely something that Marty Skrull, you know, we had to see. Would the fans approve Marty Skrull? Now, with his character, with his charisma, with his in-ring abilities, we know the Japanese fans will like him. But you still you still don't know. And right from the beginning, the fans liked this guy. They rooted for this guy. They appreciate his work. And he and Will Ospreay had another solid matchup. And it was a very fun match. It was goofy at some times, but it got serious as well. I mean, the goofy parts, of course, was, was Will Ospreay. Mocking Randy Orton, doing the RKO setup, and then trying to hit the Oz Cutter. You know, Marty Skull continuing to do his trademark breaking of the fingers, which, by the way, Will Ospreay sold that incredibly. A little bit too much, but still, it was very funny how he sold that uh, that little segment. And Marty Skull wanted to pick up the win as he landed the 
the the cross-faced chicken wing while in midair. You know, Will Ospreay was attempting the os cutter, and in midair, Skrull caught Osprey into the into the uh, chicken wing. Match ends like that. Awesome match. Uh, Kushida versus El Desperado, very surprisingly good match and a surprise decision as well to see Desperado get the win. But hey, we want to see surprises. You don't want this, th- these tournaments to be too predictable because, again, Kushida is one of the favorites to win this tournament because he's won it before. You want to have some surprises, and that's a big surprise. And hey, El Desperado, he's a pretty damn good talent. I, I mean, it sucks that he's overshadowed because he's a part of the Suzuki Gun faction. And, of course, in that faction, we're going to be seeing... Suzuki a lot more. We're going to be seeing uh, the Killer Elite Squad a lot more. We're going to see Tai Chi a lot more. And Zack Sabre Jr. is now part of it. We're going to see him a lot more. And El Desperado is basically lost in the shuffle. But he's a great talent in his own right. And he looked very good in this match. So that was a very fun match. So was ACH and Bushi. Uh, with the, with ACH picking up the win over my pick, Bushi. A little bit disappointed in that. Not a good start for my pick. Um, and then for the rest of the card, Takamichi Noku defeating Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, surprisingly, because Liger dominated the match, and Takamichi Noku won with the roll-up. Um, you know, Volador Jr. beating Tiger Mask. That was a solid matchup. Uh, Ricochet winning his first matchup. PP Taiche, very fun match. And I gotta say, whoever's girl, you know, whoever that girl is that 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 walks in the ring with Taiche, my goodness. I mean, I'm not into Japanese chicks, but holy shit. She is red. Hot. She is really, really hot, girl. So that was good to see. Uh, and then you know the other match that happened. Um, Rusuke Taguchi winning over Kenny Maru. Solid match. Doesn't you know not a lot to say about that. So overall though, first night of the best of the Super Juniors. Very, very solid. Let Ryan give his take. And then we gotta get into what happened this morning as Will Osprey and Ricochet had their second encounter in the best of the Super Juniors. And we have got to talk about that match. But Ryan. Your thoughts on night one of the best of the Super Juniors tournament? Uh, night one, and it was by far, it, it probably will go down as the best night um, of the entire tournament. I don't even need to see what happens the rest of, you know, the next two weeks. That was just enough right there. I mean, tremendous. Like you said, they gave it uh, to everybody to watch for free in hopes of them signing up to New Japan World after the event. And again, uh, you know, if you don't have New Japan World, you might want to think about signing up after that because, I mean, how could you not even consider it after watching how good that match card was? I mean, unbelievable. Unlike this morning, every single match uh, was, you know, had to do with the best of the junior uh, Super Juniors tournament. Every single match was, you know, related to that, unlike this morning where we had other, like, six-man tag team matches and stuff like that, other stuff that's irrelevant to the tournament. Um, But, wow, I mean, every single match, in my opinion, was good. I mean, there were some that were better than others, you know, uh, Marty Skrull, Will Ospreay, that's the one that really stands out the most. Obviously, Marty Skrull's debut in, in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Great to see him debut there. It's so cool to watch him wrestle uh, in Japan in front of that crowd. Uh, and he was over. Like you said, Brian, he was tremendously over. I think he was more over than Cody Rhodes was when he debuted in Ring of Honor. I mean, uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So that says something right there. And I think, you know, if Marty didn't just join the Bullet Club, uh, who knows if he would have gotten the same reaction. But I think him joining the Bullet Club has helped him tremendously in getting that reaction in Japan because he's a very popular over there. Uh, again, you hear them, you know, chanting the whoop whoop whenever he comes out. Uh, it's great to see because, again, you know, the Japanese fans, they respect every in-ring competitor differently than other, you know, we do here in the States. So it's great to see they appreciate a good talent like Marty Skrull. So that was awesome to see. Again, the match speaks for itself of how good it actually was. Just an awesome finishing sequence, too, where Marty catches him in midair with the uh, chicken wing. Just 
it was awesome. Just so many great spots. And, of course, the main event, like you said, Dragon Lee and Hiromu Takahashi, they killed it. I mean, they killed each other in the process. Like you said, Brian, every single time those two are in the ring, they make magic. And every single time they go out there and they make a case for match of the year candidate. Uh, it's just incredible what those two talents can do. They kill their bodies more than I've ever seen anybody else. I mean, the spots that they take is insane. Uh, it's tremendous work by both of those guys. To, a, to the surprise of me, Dragon Lee actually won. He gave uh, Takahashi his first loss since returning to New Japan, so that's pretty incredible right there. And like you said, as far as the other matches, ACH Bushi was very good as well. Um, El Desperado, man, how about him against Kushida, really holding his own and actually picking up the upset win. He looked very, very solid, really broke out in that match. I mean, he really showcased what he can really do. It's incredible stuff right there. Even Volador Jr., do not sleep on him. He is a sleeper, I think, in this tournament. He had a very solid outing as well. Like you said, Brian, I mean, what more could be said? The entire first night was tremendous on every single level. Yeah, and then we got into night two where this morning all eyes were on the main event match between Will Ospreay and Ricochet. We all know what they did last year. It was one of the biggest moments of wrestling last year, the talk about it, the controversy that it was in the best of the Super Juice tournament. And I asked a question on the Instagram uh, page, and you can follow us at Royal Rumble Wrestling on Instagram. What do these two guys have for an encore? What are they going to do next? Because we saw these two guys make magic last year at this same tournament. What are they going to do for an encore? And let's be honest, Ryan, they topped from what they did last year. First and foremost, because they were the main event match, so they had a lot of time to go out there and do their stuff. The match was 27 minutes in total. I looked at the, at the duration. 27 minutes total, which is pretty good for a main event match. And I love this match more than last year's because of the same reason I give for Lee Takahashi. They didn't go too over the top. You know, let's be honest. You know how the, the match last year was great. It really was. You know, It deserved the recognition it deserved. But, let's be honest, the reason why that match was so great last year is because there were so many crazy spots. Spots that we've never seen happen before in wrestling. This time around, yeah, there were some crazy spots, but I thought most of it was just simple. There was a lot of technicality in this match. There was better wrestling psychology. And they told a better story this time around. All right? They kept it simple. They made it safe. They didn't get too wacky with their stuff. And they made it simple. And it was goosebumps watching that match. Especially coming down to the final five minutes of that match. It was goosebumps. And just the chemistry that Ricochet and Osprey have together is incredible. These two guys know where they where each other's going to be. They know what move to pull off. They know how to excite the fans. Because they do stuff in the ring that nobody else can do. That's what's so unique about these two. They do stuff in the ring that nobody else can touch. There are so many great athletes in this business. There are no better athletes than Osprey and Ricochet. They're even. You want to say who the better athlete is? That's your debate. I'm saying they're flat even. They're both equal to each other. Osprey won the match. Great win for Will Osprey, hitting that Oz cutter. Awesome stuff. Of course, after the match was over, Ricochet. You know, you know, respected Osprey, lifted his hand up. Osprey got on the microphone a little bit later, talking about, of course, you know, being a part of the tournament, loving the business as always. You know, he can face anybody. He's going to win this tournament no matter what. But again, you know, when you just watch that match, I mean, when you look at, when you look back at last year's match to this year's match, I felt this year's was better because, again, 
It wasn't too wacky. They didn't go over the top with their moves, with their spots. They kept it simple. They told a very good story. They were safer in this match than they were in the first one. And, you know, just the chemistry is just incredible. They create magic. Like, nobody else can create more magic than these two guys. I mean, we talk about Takahashi and Lee. They create magic. So does does Osprey and Ricochet. They have incredible chemistry. And they put it on full display this morning. If you have not checked it out, if you have your NewJapanWorld.com account, check it out. If you don't, sucks for you. You're probably going to have to wait for the match to possibly leaked out on youtube or some or some other platform but my goodness man i watched that match earlier and i was just in awe i mean it just never gets old when these two guys step into the ring they, they, it never gets old they always pull out something new and they just continue to excite the fans it, it's just incredible stuff so again you can make your argument that maybe last year's match was better than this year's but i liked it more this year's because again it wasn't too wacky it wasn't out of place because a lot of times last year it was very wacky. The stuff they were doing, I mean, th- that doesn't happen often. The stuff they did last year. And it was great. I'm not saying here that, that, that it sucked. It was great what they did last year. But it was it was wacky. It was gymnast, gym, gymnast in the ring. It was that. But that's not a bad thing. People look at it as a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's good to see wrestling continue to change, to evolve. And it's going to continue to evolve. To evolve excuse me, to evolve, I don't know what I'm seeing evolve for, to evolve when you have these two guys going out there and killing it every single time they're in the ring. So, outstanding match, one of my favorite matches of the year so far, and how about Will Ospreay? This guy's putting on great match after great match. We mentioned it before earlier in the show, him versus Jay White was a tremendous match. Earlier in the year, back at WCPW, Ospreay had a tremendous match with Drew Galloway. Check that out, I think that's free on YouTube. And right out of the gate, two matches in the best of the Super Juniors tournament versus Marty Skrull versus Ricochet. Osprey has freaking killed it. He is one of the best things going on in wrestling today. I know there's people out there that don't like this guy because he does too many flippy stuff, which I understand. He is a very flippy guy. But that's what makes him great because he does stuff in the ring that nobody else can do other than Ricochet. Of course, Ricochet can match up with Will Ospreay's athleticism, with the moves that he can pull off. And another thing I liked about this match too, Ryan, is that they stole each other's moves. I love when wrestlers do that. We saw Ricochet use the Oz Cutter. We saw Osprey use the Benadryl to try to beat each other. That was awesome to see. That's one of my favorite things about these types of matches, when the wrestlers try to steal the other wrestler's finisher to win the match. And that's what we saw this time around. We didn't see that last year. This year, we saw Osprey try to win with the Benadryla. We saw Ricochet try to win with the Oz Cutter. They both failed, but that was great. And it added to the drama. It added to, you know, the, the, the goosebumps. It was such a tremendous matchup. I can't say anything more about it. Again, whenever Osprey and Ricochet step into that ring, they create magic. They will never, ever disappoint. And without that, without a doubt, when you look back at all their matches, because they face each other multiple times. They face each other in Japan. They face each other in Evolve. They face each other in the United Kingdom. To me, by far, this was their best matchup because they were given enough time to go out there and put on an absolute classic and it was an absolute classic, awesome match. And from from, from to, to now to the end of the tournament, this could be the match of the tournament. We don't know for sure. We still have a lot of matches to go. But right now, the best match so far of this tournament, two days in, Will Ospreay and Ricochet claim that statement 
great match. Check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, I mean, uh, as anybody shocked that these two stole the show yet again, I mean, I'm not. I didn't think they were going to top last year's match, uh, but they sure as hell did. Like you said, Brian, I mean, uh, you know, they were the main event, so they're given way more time than they were last year. Nothing felt forced. I mean, every move, every everything, uh, you know, again, they took their time. They didn't rush anything. And, again, that was a big part of, you know, last year's match. Again, last year's match was praised to the moon and back. It was on ESPN. It was making headlines all across the world. Uh, you know, for all the wrong reasons, I think, because, like you said, Brian, it was basically them just doing flip after flip after flip after flip. And, yeah, who doesn't want to watch that because it's really damn exciting. But, again, you know, it, it's not, you know, every single match can't be like that. you got to stop and think to yourself, wait, I'm trying to watch wrestling here. I know it's, it's scripted, but I'm trying to make it seem like it's real. You know, you got to make it seem like it's realistic. And what they did last year, to me, did not feel that, like that. Of course, this year they did do their – you know, sequence where they flipped a bunch of times, like a thousand times. Ricochet is flipping over here. Osprey's flipping over here. They're doing all these, all these crazy things, and at, then they they flip, and then they both you know stay you know stand put in the ring together. Uh, you know, and the crowd goes nuts. Again, they did that, of course, because how could those two guys not do that if they have the ability to do so? They're going to do it. Uh, and again, like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. There's different styles of wrestling out there nowadays. This is their style. Why do people love Will Ospreay? Because he does the most insane stunts. He, he flips like no other guy can ever flip. He probably flips more than Travis Flip Gordon does, and Flip is his freaking uh, nickname. So uh, that's why people are so invested in Will Ospreay. Same with Ricochet. Why do we love Ricochet? Because he's a high-flying machine. I mean, are you kidding me? This guy is amazing. The, the stuff that he can do, I've never seen another human being do that before. So that's why we love these guys. This is what they have to do to make themselves known. Why is WWE interested in both of these guys? Because of you know them putting their names on the map because of the style of wrestling that, that they do. So that is exactly why they have to do it. So all the criticism towards that, you know, again, I'm just so sick of it. Uh, you know, they didn't even use all flips in this all throughout this matchup. Again, like you said, they did some hard hitting things. Uh, you know, Ricochet's using you know Osprey's Oscar cutter. The freaking Dragon Rama from, from Will Ospreay was amazing. Uh, you know, where they're flipping each other off, you know, the top rope and they land on their feet. I mean, just tremendous, tremendous athleticism by both of these guys. And uh, like you said, Brian, I think this match by far top last year's. By far. And when it's all said and done, this could be the best match of the tournament. And we're only on night two. That's pretty incredible right there. So after the match, like you said, Ospreay cut the promo saying how Ricochet is, you know, his best friend, he's his best enemy, or his worst enemy, I think he said, but his best friend, uh, you know, and again, you know, those two guys, every time they're in there, they kill it, they make magic, just tremendous stuff, and again, not shocked, not surprised, uh, one bit, because that is what those two guys do every single time they're in there, so like you said, when it's all said and done, this could be the match of the tournament. And as we look at the uh, tournament so far, because this is a different tournament compared to others, this is not all uh, one loss and you're out of it. No, they go by point system. The uh, depending on how many points you earn, you know you'll go further in the tournament. So as we speak right now in the current blocks, the most points so far in this tournament is Dragon Lee. He is right now two and zero. Oh. He beat Takahashi night one. 
This morning, he beat Marty Skrull, which was a, another good match as well. Check that out. So he's got the most points in Block A. Uh, Takahashi, Marty Skrull, Ricochet, Taichi, Takamichi Nuku, and Will Ospreay. All of them have two points because they got one win. And Jushin Thunder Liger right now is the only guy in that block to have zero points. He's right now 0 for 2. As for Block B, four guys are tied, of course, for points. ACH, El Desperado, Taguchi, and Volador Jr., they all won their matches on night one, did not wrestle night two, and of course the guys who lost those matches, Bushi, Kushida, Tiger Mask, and Kenny Maru, all have zero points. So again, there are people confused with how this format goes, but when you think about it, it's not confusing, it's not like your normal tournament where again... You win a match, you advance. You lose the match, you're out. They don't go by that. They don't go that route. It comes down to a point system. Depending on how many points you get determines your fate in this tournament. And as of right now, Dragon Lee has the most points. And that's a good sign to see Dragon Lee is going to have a long run in this tournament. And why not? You know, Dragon Lee, I didn't start watching this guy until... October of 2016, when he was uh, at the All-Star Extravaganza show versus uh, Takahashi, that was his opponent. That was the first time I ever watched Dragon Lee. I was like, holy shit, this kid's, what, 22 years old? And he, he's one of the best already, and <laughs> one of the best high flyers in the business already, and he's off to a very good start. So, again, you know, two nights in, the tournament is off to an outstanding start. We've already had some outstanding matches uh, going on. And we're going to see a lot more great matches. We still have to see a lot more encounters. You know, we have Takahashi still has yet to face. He's got to face uh, Marty Skrull, uh, Ricochet, and Will Ospreay. He has not faced either of them. You know, Dragon Lee against Ricochet and uh, Will Ospreay. Um, you know, even Block B, you have some great matches. Kushida versus ACH, Bushi versus Volador Jr. I mean, you know, this is just the beginning, people. You know, the tournament's off to a great start, but expect to see a lot more great wrestling, all right? This tournament does not end until, uh, I think, June the 3rd or June 7th. I got to check that out. June 3rd. So, basically, for two weeks, we're going to see some of the best wrestling you'll ever see. And that's what makes this tournament so great. So, overall, good start to the tournament, and we'll see what happens in the next coming weeks. Let's now shift gears. We're into hour number two again, guys. If you want to follow us on social media, go right ahead on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And follow us on the Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. You happen to miss us live on itsyourradio.com. You know, again, guys, subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher. Our podcast is usually uploaded the day after we we uh, record the show so give us a uh, hit the subscribe button give us a rating as well give us give your thoughts about how our show is now we have to focus on some other stuff going on in wrestling like the wwe who have a big weekend ahead of them nxt takeover chicago happening this saturday sunday's backlash and even tomorrow night uh the uk specials going on the wwe network some great matches are going on on that show Pete Dunn versus Trent Seven. I think Mark Andrews has a big match. Some of the cruiserweights are going to be on that show, so please check that out. If you got nothing else going on on Friday night, which I highly doubt because look, it's Friday night, you all want to go out. But um, but there's some other big stuff going on in wrestling that involves a WWE superstar and some independent wrestlers, and that is the one and only Randy Orton, the current WWE champion, who over the past couple of days has sparked a lot of controversy throughout the wrestling scene on Twitter and you know, regarding. His thoughts on independent pro wrestling. Now, I'm not going to bring out the uh, actual quote of what he said, but you know, he basically took a shot at independent pro wrestling, basically saying that it doesn't matter what you do in the independence, 
all all what matters is that what you do in WWE. So he's basically saying that the independents don't matter. That you know none of that matters. It's all about WWE because WWE is the big leagues, and that's that. All right. Now I see why Randy's saying this because Randy Orton has never experienced what the independents are all about. Randy Orton, when he started, went right into WWE development. And then worked his way up to the main roster. And we all know he's had an outstanding career. He's been a 13-time world champion. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's the son of a current Hall of Famer, Bob Orton. So Randy Orton has never gotten the opportunity to experience life on the independence. But Randy also has to be aware that this is all what these people got. You know, not everyone is going to make the big leagues. All right, You can't have everybody in the WWE. It's just too much talent. So how do these wrestlers make a living? They make a living traveling, working on the independents. And how do you think they get their exposure, Randy? By working on the independents. I mean, and let's be honest. Look at the current crop of talent that is on the main roster as we speak. All right? 70 to 80% of the roster, whether it's the main roster or NXT, both of them combined. 70 to 80% of that roster came from where? The independents. All right? Guys like Seth Rollins came from the independents. He's one of WWE's best performers. AJ Styles, without a doubt, the best wrestler in the business today. He came from the independents. Samoa Joe came from the independents. And the list goes on and on. Austin Aries. Dean Ambrose. You know, uh, you know Tommy End, or you want to call A-Lister Black. Cassius Ono. Roderick Strong. Neville, Drew McIntyre, and even guys that don't even wrestle anymore, the CM Punks, and the Daniel Bryans. You know, if he wasn't hurting, you know, Nigel McGuinness, he's an announcer, but he was an independent pro wrestler, and that's where he made a name for himself. So that's something that Randy Orton has got to understand, is that not everyone can make the WWE. Not everyone's going to succeed in the WWE. A lot of these people make their living by working on the independents. And that's where they get their exposure, all right? Tyler Black got his, ex- uh, excuse me, Seth Rollins got his exposure because he was an independent pro wrestler. Ring of Honor saw him, what he's all about. They signed him. Guess what? Seth Rollins is killing it in Ring of Honor. Bam, he's in the WWE. And the same goes for everybody else. They get their opportunities on the independents. When people recognize them, they get signed to contracts. When they get signed to big contracts, then they get more exposure because they're going to be on television. And then, when Vince sees you on television, and if he likes you, bam, he's going to sign you. So, again, I see why Randy's saying this because he's never experienced this before. But he should not be saying this. He should not be making this public. If he thinks that, that's fine. But don't go out on Twitter Don't go on social media and basically bash independent pro wrestling and bash those who are working independents. That's not professional, Randy. Come on. I thought you were better than this. You know, you're a professional guy. You've been wrestling for WWE for what? Uh, You know, 13 years, 14 years, maybe longer. And you're coming out and saying this crap. I mean, come on, Randy. Grow up. I mean, let's be honest. You got to understand, Randy, that not everybody is going to be in WWE. Not all of them are going to succeed. You can't have every single person. It's too much. You don't want to oversaturate it. So when they don't get their opportunities on the main roster, they're going to try their their, their skills on the independents. And hell, 
There are so many freaking talented wrestlers out there in the independents that Vince McMahon would be dying to sign. Why wouldn't Vince sign Keith Lee? He's a big freaking dude that can move in the ring. Why wouldn't Vince want to sign Leo Rush and add him to the Cruiserweights? The guy's an outstanding talent. Why wouldn't Vince sign Ricochet, Will Ospreay, Marty Skrull, Sammy Callahan? Why wouldn't they want to bring back Sammy Callahan? All these guys are so talented. They are. So it makes no sense for you, Randy, to bash these guys. And again, Randy, you have faced these guys already. You have faced Seth Rollins. You have faced Kevin Owens. You faced AJ Styles. Guess where they came from, Randy? The Independents. They didn't come from NXT. They didn't come from the main. They didn't come from TNA when they started. Yeah, they were wrestlers there, but their first beginning was on the Independents, like everyone else's. So again, Randy, you gotta understand that. I see why you're saying this because you never experienced it. But again, even though you work for the WWE, Randy, it doesn't give you the right to go out there and say, "Oh, you know, it doesn't matter what you do in the Independents." You can't say that because. These people that work in the independents have so much passion for this business. And their work comes from the independents. They want to make a living for themselves. They got to work in the independents. They got to work their way up. Not everyone is going to be given opportunities. They got to earn it. So I don't agree with Randy Warren's comments. I see why he said that. But next time, Randy, stay quiet. Get off social media. Shut your mouth. And keep these things to yourself, please. Because it led to a lot of controversy. A lot of independent wrestlers. Guys like Will Ospreay, guys like Joey Ryan, guys that have been working independence for years have voiced their opinions on this, and they're not happy about it. Even Bubba Ray Dudley, or Bully Ray, whatever you want to call him, a guy that has been everywhere, wrestled for the biggest companies, he has gone in the independence and wrestled. He appreciates what independent wrestlers do, and he's taken offense to this. So again, Randy, I see why he's saying it, but next time, keep your thoughts to yourself. Yeah, I mean, uh, it actually started with Rip Rogers, uh, you know, talking about this stuff, and then Randy agreed with him, and then he chimed in and gave his opinion. And then, of course, Bully Ray got into it. He tweeted something about a photo of him diving onto a bunch of guys in Ring of Honor, and then Randy Orton basically called him out and said, you know, there's a difference between an out-of-shape bet falling and a young, hungry talent diving. Again, you know, like you said, I mean, everybody can have their own opinions. You know, again, it's you know, it doesn't really matter what – you know, Randy Orton thinks about independent wrestling. Now, of course, it did, you know, add some controversy online. It was talked about. I mean, Will Ospreay was one of the ones uh, that really, really, I feel like, was offended in a way by it because he's the one that's been going off and even made T-shirts about dive and all these different things. I mean, so many independent wrestlers taking shots at Randy Orton. Uh, Will Ospreay, you know, again, in this match with Marty Skrull the other day, setting up for the RKO, mentioning Randy Orton in the House of Horrors match in his post-match uh, promo today. So he's taking a couple of shots here and there. But again, like you know, like he said, Randy Orton is somebody that got blessed. He got blessed to have been very successful in the WWE, never, ever had to go through the independence, never had to go up the ranks to, to get noticed by WWE. He was, you know, he was the son of Bob Orton, all right? And he became successful right off the bat at a very young age. Uh, Randy Orton, like I said, got very, very lucky to be in the position that he's in today. That is why he just doesn't understand, I guess, uh, what these young talents have to do to get recognized nowadays. Hence why Will Ospreay and Ricochet, like I just mentioned before, have to do the flips and have to wrestle the style of wrestling that they ca- that they can because they need to get noticed in some way. So that is the way that they do it. 
Again, I'm not saying I agree with Randy Orton. Uh, you know, again, I'm neutral on this topic. You know, I, I've, I've always liked Randy Orton. I thought he's always been a tremendous, you know, uh, competitor. He's bored me over the last couple of years because of his, you know, character has become so damn stale. I'm sick and tired of seeing him with all the young uh, talent we've seen come in over the past couple of years. You know, Randy Orton, I'm kind of sick and tired of seeing him as the champion. But I never hated him, and I don't hate him after these comments because, again, he can have his opinion. Uh, he could say what he wants. But again, you know, we don't have to agree with it. We all know what the independents are all about. And again, you know, he just didn't disrespect people who are currently on the independent scene. Like you said, Brian, he kind of disrespected everybody who's in the WWE. I mean, who's in the locker room with him. Like you said, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, uh, you know, all, Dean Ambrose, all these guys that came from the independents. Uh, you know, again, they, they got to feel a little slap in the face from Orton after his comments that he made. But again, you know what? He's just probably having fun. Uh, you know, we all know that WWE is not the only thing that matters in the world of professional wrestling. Like I said, if, if you only watch WWE, I mean, my my God, you must be disappointed about 90% of the time when you watch it because, it, it, you know, again, it disappoints more than anything. You know, independent wrestling is where it's at. You get a nice look at the young talent, uh, and then they end up in the WWE, and it's just awesome to see, and you follow their journey all throughout. And I think that's one of the coolest parts about following wrestling is seeing these guys move up the ranks and then being on the big stage of WWE and seeing how successful they are. Uh, following their journey is a very cool thing. So, again, you know what? Randy could think what he wants. He could have his opinion, like you said. Cause some controversy, but, uh, again, you know, people can think what they want, but independent wrestling matters. Uh, of course it does. It, it, it definitely matters because, again, a lot of these guys that are working on the independents know that if they want to go to WWE, which is definitely the end goal, you got to make a name for yourself all through the world, and you want to get recognized. And like you said, Ryan, guys like Will Ospreay and Ricochet, what are they recognized for? For doing crazy, flippy stuff, and that's what will lead them to success. To see Ospreay do stuff in the ring that nobody else can do leads for, leads him to success, and he will be making a lot of money in the future with merchandise sales and with recognition on the big stages. And that's something that Randy Orton has never experienced. Like you say, Ryan, he was blessed. He was given this opportunity. He didn't earn it. He was given it because he is the son of a Hall of Famer and Bob Orton, who was a part of the first ever WrestleMania. And yeah, he did some good work down in developmental, but it didn't take them too long to bring him up on the main roster. They put him with Triple H, and bam, Randy Orton skyrocketed. He wins the world championship at the age of 24. There are guys that are what in their 30s that are that are not even in the WWE. They're in the independence still. So Randy Orton was given. It was a given for Randy Orton, and. Again, you know, I see why he's saying this because, you know, he's never experienced it. He's always been in WWE. He's never gotten the chance to go out on the independents and work for small independent promotions and try to make a living. There are so many guys out there that are doing that right now. And again, Randy is sharing the locker room with a lot of those guys. You know, a guy like Seth Rollins, if you watch, of course, his documentary, WWE 24, he had to start from the beginning, the ground up. He wrestled AJ Styles, but for a very small wrestling promotion at the age of 19. In that match, he got recognized. He went to Ring of Honor for, what, four years, I think he was there for? Did some great work there. And then he got recognized by Vince, and he got signed by WWE. You have to, st for a lot of these wrestlers, you're not given these opportunities just like that. You have to earn it. And a lot of these guys have earned it. And that's why I have a lot of respect for these guys. Because they're going out there. They're busting their ass. They're traveling all over the world to try to make a name for themselves. And that's something that Randy Orton has got to understand. He doesn't because he's never experienced it for himself. If he did, then he would be on the side of these independent wrestlers. But he's never going to be because 
He will always be with WWE. He's not going anywhere. He's in a great position. He's the world champion. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's one of the biggest stars that WWE has right now. So again, I, I don't hate Randy Orton either. I'm a little bit disgusted that he made this comment because that's a slap in the face to independent pro wrestling. And you know, Ryan, how much I love independent pro wrestling. I have so much respect for these guys that go out there and kill it on the independents to try to make a name for themselves. So that definitely offended me a little bit, but... You know, Randy Orton was just stating his opinion, and, you know, again, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. That's Randy's opinion, all right, but I'm not going to agree with it, but I'm not going to sit here and just say, oh, I hate Randy Orton forever because he said this. I'm not, I'm never going to do that, all right? I still like Randy Orton. He's a good worker. He's a, he's a respected individual throughout the WWE locker room. He's a Hall of Famer, and that's the reality. So, again, I don't agree with the comments, but in the very end, it's not going to lead me to say I hate Randy Orton forever. He should go kill himself. That's not the person I am. And I will never say that. So, But it is definitely a very controversial topic that has been talked about and is going to be continued to talk about for the next coming weeks. So we should be intrigued to see what happens next. If Will Ospreay does something or if Randy Orton says something else, should be interesting. We'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, in terms of what happened this week with Raw, SmackDown Live, and NXT, I didn't get the chance to watch Raw. I read up on what happened, and from what I read, from what I've heard, it was a very good show. And there were some good spots on the show that, from what I've read, I liked. Uh, you know, the, the, the Alexa Bliss, uh, Bailey segment with the candlestick was actually pretty cool. Even though I'm not all that thrilled that Extreme Rules is going to be a kendo stick on a pole match. I mean, really? I mean, what, is Vince Russo back in creative, all right? A kendo stick on a pole match? That's a that's an idea that Vince Russo would create because he's done it before in the past. So, uh, but that was a good segment. Uh, Finn versus Roman Reigns was a very good match, even though I was a little bit disgruntled that Roman Roman won the match clean. It didn't make sense to me because, number one, you know, Finn Balor is trying to get his A game back. He's trying to get back to the top of where he once was. Losing to Roman Reigns doesn't hurt, but still won't help him either. And it also didn't make sense when, on that same night, they were broadcasting on the WWE Network the whole WWE 24 documentary on Finn Balor's recovery from injury. So that didn't make sense to me either. But... It's Roman Reigns. What what do you expect? He's the face of the company. This is going to happen. Uh, so that it, it is what it is with that. Uh, Seth and Bray Wyatt hurt was not a good match. And that's a shame because these are supposed to be two of the biggest stars on your brand. Her was a very lazy match. Not a good sign about that. Uh, Bray Wyatt has got to be better in the ring. Seth Rollins as well could be a little bit better. And we found out about the big main event match with Extreme Rules with Braun Strowman officially out of action because of an elbow injury. It's going to be a five-pack challenge to determine the next number one contender for the uh, Universal title, which still has yet to be seen on Raw after the night after WrestleMania when Brock was there with the belt. Still have not seen that belt, which is still a freaking shame. Uh, but in the match, Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, uh, Bray Wyatt, and um, Roman Reigns are, fa are facing each other for the opportunity to fight for the Universal title. If I had to make a pick on who's going to win that match, it's not going to be Samoa Joe. That's for damn sure. Samoa Joe is just not ready for that opportunity. It could be Bray. I don't see it, though. Uh, Roman Reigns, I think they're saving him for WrestleMania. So it's either going to be Finn or Seth. That's a toss-up. Any guy, any one of those two can win that match. Maybe Finn has the upper hand because, you know, Finn is a bigger star than Seth Rollins right now. He's getting a lot more publicity than Seth Rollins. So... That's a toss-up, but overall, from what I read, Raw was solid as they continue to move ahead to Extreme Rules, but 
again, you know, there was some stuff that puzzled me a little bit, but there was some good stuff. So at least, you know, it was a it was a decent raw, not a bad raw, a decent raw. Yeah, I thought it was one of the better ones we've seen in quite some time. Again, nothing too newsworthy. It was basically setting up the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Big main event at that show, of course. All those five guys competing in a fatal four-way to be the number one contender to Brock Lesnar. Very intriguing stuff. I think it is actually an Extreme Rules match, so that's pretty cool. Um, you know, Alexa Bliss and Bayley, uh, you know, set up their rematch. Uh, Kendo stick on a pole match. No comment about that one. Uh, like you said, Roman Reigns and Finn Balor, they had a pretty good match. you get, got to say, man, every single time Roman's out there, he delivers no matter who he, he fights. Again, he'll never get the you know the love that uh, you know that Vince wants him to get. But he put on a very solid showing against Finn Balor. Of course, not a fan of him winning cleanly, but again, I I just have a feeling that they're setting up for a big time you know big time match with him somewhere down the line. Of course, there's rumors about him and Lesnar at next year's WrestleMania. That's way too far off to even think about at this point. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen there? Bray and Seth was okay. Uh, Dean and the Miz, you know, a count out or a disqualification. I forgot whatever the hell it was. Uh, so that matches at Extreme Rules as well. Hardy Boys will defend against Cesaro and Sheamus at the, at the event as well. It basically looks like Payback 2.0, except the main event is different and there's a couple of stipulations on some of these matches. But basically, every single match is similar to Payback in some way. Basically, every single rematch. So it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, overall, it was an okay Raw. And if I had to pick somebody to win that fatal five-way match like you said brian it's got to either be finn balor or seth rollins you got to figure i feel like they're keeping roman reigns off for a bigger moment samoa joe's not winning he's a heel bray wyatt's not winning he is also a heel so i mean if i'm gonna pick one i think i'd go with seth rollins uh you know finn balor versus brock lesnar kind of scares me with finn's you know recent history of injury i don't want him getting injured again i mean same goes for seth rollins too but finn balor just came back we don't want him being put on the shelf for even a longer amount of time, just because he has to face Brock Lesnar. Let's be honest, whoever faces Lesnar at that pay-per-view, whoever wins this match, it doesn't matter because they're not beating Lesnar anyways. So the match is basically pointless if you think about it. So don't waste it on Finn Balor, who could possibly get injured. Throw Seth Rollins in there. You know he's going to be a solid worker for Lesnar to work with. They've worked together before. That's what I would do. Uh, but we'll see what happens. It's very intriguing, like I said. Overall, I mean, like you said, Brian, not the best Raw we've seen, but... Better than what we've seen in the past couple of weeks, I'll tell you that. So, uh, from what it was, I enjoyed it. And I can't say the same for SmackDown, and that is a disappointment to hear because, you know, after the brand split happened, I was excited with the direction of SmackDown. You know, all the guys they brought in, you know, they kept AJ Styles, which we didn't think was going to happen because AJ to Raw was a huge rumor going around for months, and that didn't happen. You know, they brought in Kevin Owens, they brought in Sami Zayn, they... they brought up Shinsuke Nakamura and Ty Dillinger. They brought up, they brought Charlotte over from Raw. Um, and the New Day, of course, who are still not on television yet. And ever since, you know, SmackDown has not been that good. And for one reason only, the storylines that are right now at place absolutely suck. I mean, let's start off from the main event. Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal. Again, we said this numerous times in the show. I'm not going to repeat myself. But you know, you guys, if you listen... That I'm not a fan of Mahal in this match for the simple reason. He has not earned that right yet. He has not. He's been a jobber. So to see him in the main event scene just like that, I'm not intrigued about it. And It's been an okay story, but again, a person like myself that is not into it, I, I don't accept it. So that has not been good to me. 
Um, the women's stuff has been brutal. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I said it on the last week's show. I'm going to say it again. This welcoming committee absolutely sucks. I mean, first and foremost, a contract signing? Who has a contract signing for a six-person tag match? Aren't contract signings supposed to be for title matches? We had a contract signing for a six-women tag team match. And there's, like, no belt on the line. And then we got to hear Natty on the microphone. Holy shit. I mean, Natty's a good wrestler, but my God, she is so freaking brutal on the microphone. Brutal. Oh, my God. Oh, Becky Lynch, you should have joined us. When we beat you Sunday, I'm going to say I told you so. Oh, disgusting. And then we're going to hear freaking James Ellsworth on the microphone. Duh. You know, we're going to beat you. Duh. Shut up. It's annoying. You know, Carmella, again, you know, she's young, she's good-looking, but again, she's not great. She's an okay wrestler, not the greatest. Her microphone skills also suck. Tamina, we don't know about her because she's constantly in and out. You know, when you think she's up on uh, up on the rise, she gets hurt. And again, and I'll say this again, Charlotte should not be a face. She's too good as a heel. I mean, I don't think this whole face thing is going to be permanent for a while. I think after this match is done, she might go back as a heel to face Naomi for the belt, which I'm hoping for, because that's when Charlotte is at her best, as a heel. She should not be a face. She should. If you're telling me that Natty's going to be the top heel on the brand, you're joking with me, right? That's a joke. Natty's not good enough to be the top heel of a brand. She's just not. All right? And I'm sick and tired of hearing the microphone. She is god-awful to listen to. She just is. Horrific on the microphone. So that segment sucked, and that whole storyline has sucked. Uh, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Dolph Ziggler this time should be very good, but the problem is Nakamura's been in and out on SmackDown. One week he's on SmackDown. The next week he's not. What are you doing? Now, yes, I understand they want to save Nakamura's first match to be on Sunday, which I, I guess I can agree with, but still... After that's over with, we got to see Shinsuke on SmackDown more. He's going to be one of the biggest draws in on your show. He's got to be there more. Um, you know, not having a new day there kind of sucks because we all know they can do some good things. American Alpha has has been nowhere to be found. Ever since they lost the tag belts, they have been nowhere to be found, which sucks. The Usos versus Brizongo stuff has been very solid. I, I do like these fashion files. They're very entertaining. In terms of the match, who knows what's going to happen. I'm hoping this is a long feud. If this is a one-off, that's stupid because Brizongo deserves a lot better. The only good thing going on right now is SmackDown has been AJ vs. Owens. And that's not shocking because as of right now, they may be the two best talents on that show. And their their match has more meaning than the world title match, which is a joke. That should not be the case, but it is. So again, you know, SmackDown right now is disappointing me. Uh, after that brand split, I was excited to see some good things from SmackDown. They've done not nothing whatsoever ever since. Hopefully at the backlash, create some new storylines, do something different. I mean, stop with this whole Mahal stuff. That's got to end. Move on to Rusev. i like to see Ru- Rusev versus Randy Orton. That should be good. Uh, continue this AJ Owen stuff. And enough with this freaking welcoming committee. This faction sucks. It sucks. And it's hurting the women's division of SmackDown. It is. This should not be a storyline. This should not be a relevant storyline. It's absurd with, with with the way they're going with this women's division. It's terrible. So, again, Raw was decent. Can't say the same for SmackDown. 
one of one of the worst SmackDowns that I've ever seen. I hate saying that because I, I'm Team SmackDown. I want to see SmackDown succeed, but this week it absolutely sucked. Yeah, ever since the Superstar Shake of SmackDown has taken a huge hit, uh, definitely has not been as good as it was prior to the Superstar Shake Up. And it's a damn shame, it really is. I mean, like you said, nothing really stood out. Orton, Baron, Corbin as the main event. I thought it was going to be better than it was. really wasn't all that special. AJ Styles, Jinder Mahal. Uh, Jinder beats AJ because uh, Kevin gets involved. Of course, you know, we kind of saw that coming. Jinder's in a big-time match this weekend. So is AJ, but I think Jinder needed the win way more than uh, AJ Styles did. And with the Owens interference, it's okay for him to lose to Jinder Mahal. Uh, again, it wasn't too cleanly because of the interference. So I'm okay with that. Uh, the Brizongo thing is pretty entertaining. I got to say, the fashion files are really, really funny, really, really entertaining. Uh, the Usos promo that they came out and cut on Brizango after Brizango uh, won their match was also very, very good. I mean, you know, I guess it it's, depends on what your cup of tea is, but it was a lot of shouting uh, by those two guys. But, man, they didn't stutter once. They just went on and on and on and a huge rant. And it was very, very good. I mean, I got to say, the Usos really stepping up there. That should be a pretty good match this Sunday. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But that was entertaining. Uh, again, the welcoming committee, you know, involved in a contract signing with Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and Naomi. Stupid stuff right there. Natty, like you said, Brian, brutal to listen to on the mic. Carmella, just as brutal, if not more brutal to listen to. And James Ellsworth is just at the absolute worst as well. I mean, the whole thing is a mess, let me tell you. The only good thing, though, is that Charlotte may not be turning heel after all. She did set her sights on Naomi during that contract signing. She said when she's done with the welcoming committee, she wants her title. So I'm not too convinced that she's turning face yet. We'll see what happens this Sunday. But, uh, yeah, like you said, Brian, overall, uh, SmackDown was nothing but a waste of time this past week. It was, and I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping after this whole thing ends on Sunday, we're going to see Charlotte get back to being a heel and challenge Naomi because that's what they need. You know, Charlotte being a heel is what's best for the SmackDown Women's Division. She, again, I'm not saying she's an awful face. No, she can play a very good face, but at this point in time, SmackDown doesn't have a top, another top uh, heel in the women's division. It's not like they have Oscar who they can turn heel and she could be the heel and Charlotte could be the face. No, they don't have that. So they cannot afford to turn Charlotte a face when they need a top heel and they don't have that. And don't even tell me that Natty's a top heel. She's not. She's god awful. It's tough to watch her sometimes. It really is. So again, SmackDown uneventful. NXT, quick thoughts on that. Uh, Cash Sono beat Andrade Almas in a very solid matchup. Uh, we had a, a women's match going on. Hideo Tommy, Bobby Roode segment at the very end was very solid. Nothing really else to say there as uh, they're gearing up for this Saturday for TakeOver, uh, excuse me, Chicago, not Orlando. Uh, TakeOver Chicago. So, again, uh, and, and just overall, uh, Raw, again, to, to sum it all up, Raw was solid. SmackDown sucked. NXT was NXT. And, uh, again, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. But let's get into the predictions, Ryan. Uh, big weekend in pro wrestling uh, for WWE and for Evolve Wrestling. Uh, Evolve Wrestling's got two shows this weekend, Evolve 84 and Evolve 85. We're going to predict both shows, quick predictions, and then we got to give our predictions for both TakeOver Chicago, which I'm really looking forward to with the match card that they have, and then Backlash is Sunday. So we'll start, th- we'll start off with Evolve 84. Uh, some quick matches going on. Couple of special attraction matches. Uh, Leo Rush versus Austin Theory. Easy pick here. Leo Rush. He's one of the hottest wrestlers in the world right now. Not going to lose this match. So Leo Rush for the win. 
Yeah, same here. Leo Rush, like you said, he's on a roll right now. He's one of the hottest talents right now in indie pro wrestling, so he'll definitely get this win. And by the way, shout out to the Sunday Shoot Wrestling Podcast. They just had Leo Rush on their show not too long ago. Give those guys a follow at TSS Wrestling on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to their show as well on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes. Very fun interview they did with Leo Rush. And then the other special attraction match, Fred Yehi versus Jason Kincaid. Uh, this is a toss-up right here. Just give me Kincaid for the win. I'm not sure who's going to win this match. Uh, just you know, spitballing here. Uh, give me Kincaid for the win. Yeah, I'll go Fred Yehi. Fred Yehi then uh, he had a real good showing against Kyle O'Reilly at the last Evolve show in Brooklyn. Uh, a real breakout performance for him, I feel like. Uh, so, like you said, going to go out on a limb here and go with Fred Yehi. Next match is a special challenge match. Tracy Williams of uh, Catchpoint with Stokely Hathaway in his corner will take on Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb. Even with Hathaway in the corner of Williams, is not going to stop Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb is one of the best big men in the business today. He's going to win this match. Should be a fun one. Tracy Williams is a very solid talent, but give me Mr. Athletic for the win. Yeah, I think so too. Jeff Cobb is one of the best uh, you know, going around right now, and I think he deserves more recognition than he uh, actually is getting. So I'm going to go with Mr. Mr. Athletic as well. Next matchup is an Evolve 81 rematch, and this should be a good one. These two had a killer match in Orlando. They're going to have another killer match this time in Chicago. Or not Chicago, um, Summit, uh, Illinois, excuse me. Uh, but Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijak. Again, two guys that were former Ring of Honor superstars, now wrestling all over the independents. Two of the best, hottest workers in the business today, especially Keith Lee. They had an outstanding match over WrestleMania weekend. That might be the match of the weekend. Um, should be a good one. Give me Keith Lee for the win. It's tough to predict here. I like Donovan Dodger, but Keith Lee is on such a roll right now. He's been one of the best wrestlers so far in 2017. So give me limitless Keith Lee to beat Donovan Dijak. Yeah, I mean, Keith Lee is a guy who has been at every Evolve show uh, as of late. Donovan Dijak appears here and there. Uh, you know, I think Keith Lee has a lot more to offer uh, for Evolve. I think it's only a matter of time before he goes for the Evolve Championship. So uh, in order for him to do that, I think he has to keep the momentum going and pick up this win here. So I think he does just that. And then our three title matches. First off, the Evolve Tag Team titles will be on the line. Chris Dickinson and Jaka will defend their belts against Matt Nix and Isaias Velasquez. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But uh, easy pick here. I'm not too familiar with Nix or Velasquez. Jaka and Dickinson have been one of the best tag teams so far of 2017. Give me catch point for the win. Yeah, I think so as well. Like you said, not really familiar with the other guys, so catch point easily. Uh, then we have the Evolved Championship. Zack Sabre Jr. will put the belt on the line against Royal Ramble alum Ethan Page. This should be a good one. You know, happy to speak with Ethan Page before this match was going to go down. Uh, we wish Ethan the best of luck in his match with Zack Sabre Jr. Bad news, Ethan. You're not going to win this matchup. I love Ethan Page. He's a great talent. But Zack Sabre Jr. is one of the best in the world there's a reason why, you know, he's called Zacky Three Belts. This guy goes everywhere. He wins championships. He's the best technical wrestler in the world, and he's going to retain his Evolved Championship. He will beat Ethan Page. Yeah, I think so as well. This should be a really solid matchup, though. Ethan Page on a roll that's late, coming off this uh, great feud that he had with Darby Allen. I think he's ready to go. I think it's a great challenger for Zack Sabre Jr. Very intriguing matchup here. Uh, and it's a shame because if this was at a different time, I'd say Ethan Page has what it takes to take this title. But Zack Sabre Jr. just won it as of late. He's on a roll right now. I just don't see him dropping it here. So give me Zack Sabre Jr. for the win. 
And finally, for the WWN Championship, and this could be the match of the night and maybe the match of the weekend if you know these guys go out there and put it all on the line. Matt Riddle versus Kyle O'Reilly. This should be a good one. These two guys have met before. If you did not see their match from Bola Night 2, check it out. Very fun technical matchup. Uh, Riddle, though, is going to win this match. He just won the belt. He's going to be champion for quite a while. I love Kyle O'Reilly, but... Man, the king of the bros has been killing it as of lately, and he's going to retain this belt. So give me Matt Riddle, excuse me, Matt Riddle uh, for the win. Yeah, Matt Riddle is Evolve. I mean, uh, you know, simply put, he just won this belt. He is the guy in Evolve. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, again, similar to Donovan Dajak. He just makes appearances here and there. He's not committed to Evolve long term. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time before he heads to the WWE. So I don't think he wins his belt here. I think, like you said, Matt Riddle holds on to this belt for a very long time. I like you said, Brian, I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be a very, very good matchup, but uh, Matt Riddle for the win. And then we move on to Evolve 85. Here are the summer matches going on for Evolve 85. We actually have a Shine match going on, a Shine showcase match. Uh, Allison Kay versus Priscilla Kelly. Uh, we don't really see a lot of women fight on Evolve Wrestling, but we're going to see one uh, this weekend. Uh, tough to pick. I'm not sure who's going to win. So just going with shits and giggles here. Give me uh, Priscilla Kelly for the win. Yeah, I'm going to go Priscilla Kelly as well. I mean, Allison Kay does the work uh, for TNA Wrestling as Sienna, so I don't really think uh, you know she'll come into Evolve and pick up a win. Priscilla Kelly has been there uh, for the past couple of Evolve shows, so I feel like she picks up the win here. But like you said, Brian, it's interesting because we have not really seen any women's matches in Evolve. This one's very intriguing. Evolve Tag Team Belts will be on the line again. Uh, no, excuse me, uh, my bad. This is actually a non-title match. Uh, is uh, Chris Dickinson and Jaka, if they are still the champions, they will be in a non-title match with uh, Jason Kincaid and Austin Theory. Doesn't matter if they're champions or not. Give, give me Jaka and Dickinson, like I said before. Uh, Pace Magazine actually ranked them as the seventh best tag team right now in wrestling today. Uh, so far, you know they've been really doing some good stuff in Evolve Wrestling. So give me uh, the current champs to uh, win on at Evolve 85. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, you know, again. Simply put, like you said, they're one of the best tag teams going right now. Uh, and, you know, they're going to retain at the, you know, the first Evolve show, and then I think they'll retain again at the second one. And right, moving on to a couple of special attraction matches. The first one being Ethan Page versus Donovan Dijak. Again, if Ethan Page wins, somehow he will defend the belt versus Dijak. Not going to happen, though. So it's going to be a normal singles match. Uh, give me Page for the win. I think the gatekeepers are going to get involved in this match. You can't forget. You can't forget about those two guys. They're going to get involved in this weekend in Ethan Page's matches. I definitely see them getting involved in this match and giving Ethan the win. So give me Mr. All Eagle to knock off Donovan Dijak. Yeah, I mean he better. Let's put it that way. If Ethan Page loses, which he will to Zack Saber Jr., I just can't see him losing to Donovan Dijak. I mean that would just be a huge blow with the role that he's been on, with the momentum that he's he has got going for himself. Losing to Zack Saber Jr., there's no shame there. But, man, he cannot lose a regular singles match like this. So I think he's got to keep some momentum going. I think he picks up the win. And then the other match is Fred Yehi versus Keith Lee. Should be an underrated match. Fred Yehi has a very underrated talent. But, again, Keith Lee is going to win this match. He's one of the best things going on in wrestling today. So give me Keith Lee for the win. Yeah, me too. Easy, Easily put. He's one of the best in the world. Again, like I said, I think he's going for the Evolve title next. So uh, he's got to keep that momentum going somehow. He's got to pick up two wins this weekend, and I think he will. Special challenge match, Tracy Williams versus Kyle O'Reilly. Um, I like Kyle O'Reilly in this one. I mean, Kyle has to win at least one match. I don't see him going 0 for 2 this weekend. Uh, I think his best bet to win is against Tracy Williams, even though Williams is very underrated. Kyle O'Reilly is still one of the best in the world. He's going to pick up a win this weekend. So give me O'Reilly for the win. 
Yeah, I think so as well. Like you said, he's, he's you know, he won, you know, his singles matches at the last couple of Evolve shows. Uh, you know, again, I think he picks up the win here as well. I'd be shocked if he loses, but again, it really won't hurt him in any way. Because again, he's not committed long-term to this company, uh, but I think it's going to be a good, solid match, but I think he'll pick up the win. And then we have, of course, the two major title matches going on. WWN Championship, if Matt Little, excuse me, Matt Riddle is still the champion, he will put the belt on the line versus Jeff Cobb. I have Riddle retaining, and he's going to retain again. He will beat Jeff Cobb. It's going to be interesting to see because these guys are, t- are currently tag team partners right now in PWG, who, by the way, have a big event going on tomorrow night. We'll give our touch on that in a, sh- in a few short minutes. But uh, should be a very fun match between these two guys. They're tag team partners in PWG. They're going to be enemies this weekend. But give me Matt Riddle to retain his uh, WWN championship. Yeah, but I think so as well. We just said Matt Riddle's going to be champion for a very long time. Uh, so obviously he retains here. And then finally in the main event, Zack Sabre Jr., who will retain his title over Ethan Page, will defend it against Leo Rush. I keep an eye on this match. I don't think Zack Sabre Jr. is a slam dunk to retain this belt with the role that Leo Rush is on right now. I can definitely see Leo Rush shock the world and win this match, but I'm not going to pick that. I think Zack Sabre Jr. is just too good. He's going to be champion, I think, for a long time. I mean, would I be shocked if Leo Rush wins? Maybe, but at the same time, probably not because Rush has been on such a roll. But uh, give me uh, Zacky three belts to still be Zacky three belts at the end of the weekend. So Sabre Jr. knocks off Leo Rush. Yeah, I think so as well. It's going to be another tremendous match. Like you said, Leo Rush is on a roll, but I just don't see him taking the Evolve title. He's got the CZW title right now, so that's enough for him at the moment. Uh, you know, I think Zach Sabre Jr. retains here. So there you have it. That is going on this weekend. In Evolve Wrestling, and of course, we also have a, a big show going on tomorrow night. We've got to mention this. PWG is back at it uh, this weekend at the Rosita Building, of course, as always, with their show Head on a Coal, Head Like a Coal. I'm not I'm sure what it's actually called, but uh, it's Head on a Coal. I think that's I think that's what it is. And here is the um, the match card for the show. Another solid match card going on uh, this weekend. So here are the matches going on. Head like a coal. That's what it's called. Uh, Keith Lee will take on Trevor Lee. Should be a solid match there. Keith Lee, Trevor Lee, two Lees facing each other, basically. Uh, Shane Strickland in his second PWG match will take on Big Mike. Michael Elgin should be a good one there. Tag team action. Red Dragon reunites. O'Reilly and Fish will take on the Chosen Bros. Jeff Cobb and Matt Riddle, who have been very, very hot as of late. Uh, Leo Rush will take on Mark Haskins. Haskins, of course, coming back from his injury. Uh, or not injury, he missed the last PWG event. He's back for this one versus Leo Rush. Sammy Callian will face Adam Cole. This will be Adam Cole's final match in PWG. That should be interesting to see what happens when that match is over with. Uh, the Young Bucks will take on the Lucha Bros for the World Tag Team titles. Possibly could we see the Young Bucks back as champions. That should be an outstanding matchup tomorrow. And then finally in the main event for the World Championship, Zack Sabre Jr. will face Trent Beretta. Another challenger awaits for Zack Sabre Jr. Should be an easy win for him. So, Ryan, quick thoughts on that show. Yeah, the fans in Reseda are getting spoiled again with another amazing card. I mean, what more can you say about PWG every single time? They have a show. They have killer matches. Uh, so not shocked. Again, it's going to be a killer event tomorrow night. Yeah, looking forward to that. So there you have it. Evolve predictions and our thoughts on PWG. Now let's shift the focus to the big shows this weekend. And that is NXT TakeOver Chicago, which happens Saturday. And then the night after, on Sunday, it is Backlash. The TakeOver show, this could go down as one of the best TakeOver shows ever. All right, Their match card on Saturday is outstanding. 
it's so freaking good that there are so many big names that are left off the show. Cassius Ono is not on the show. Aleister Black, who right now could be the hottest act in NXT today, is not on the show. Drew McIntyre, who made his triumphant return, is not on the show. Another hot performer right now in the brand, Andrade Almas, is not on the show. Heavy Machinery, not on the show. There is so much talent left off the show that it's incredible that how deep now the NXT roster is. And they have an outstanding match card this Saturday. We'll kick it off with our first match, which was announced last night. Roderick Strong, thankfully on the show. He made it to the show. He'll take on Eric Young. If you don't know the story, after Strong's match with Tommy, Sanity came out, attacked Roderick Strong. So there's some beef going on between those two sides. Uh, tough to pick here. I mean, if, if NXT's smart, they give this win to Roddy. You know, having Eric Young win this match makes zero sense. And if you want to build up Roddy Strong as a legitimate contender for the world title, he's got to win this match. I don't think he's going to win this match, though. I think Sanity's going to get involved, and they're going to get in, um, you know, lead uh, Eric Young to victory. It's either going to have Eric Young winning this match, or it's going to end in disqualification. All right, I don't see Roger Strong winning this match because I definitely see this feud going on after this. It could be a long feud between these two sides. But if NXT's smart, give this win to Roddy. All right, all right. They're, they're starting to finally showcase this guy, what he's all about, his real-life story. If you're serious about pushing Roderick Strong to the top of the NXT roster as a potential world champion, have him win this match. Eric Young doesn't need to win this match. But I definitely see them going with the route where Eric Young either wins because of a sanity distraction or sanity gets involved at least to a no disqualification. But anyway, Roddy's not winning this match. Give me Eric Young for the win. Um, I think Roddy Strong actually does win just because of the simple fact, like you said, they've been showcasing him a lot lately. Um, I could see Eric Young winning with help from Sanity, but again, I feel like that's too obvious. Uh, so I'm going to go with Roderick Strong to pick up the win here. All right, next matchup is the matchup I'm looking forward to the most, and that is the WWE United Kingdom Championship. This match will be broadcasted, by the way, by good old Jim Ross, so I cannot wait for this. Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne, the rematch from the finals of the UK tournament, which was, by the way, an outstanding match in its own right. And this is going to be an outstanding matchup this weekend. If they have enough time, if they're given enough time to go out there and, and put on a show, they are going to be the match of the night. There's no hesitation. There's no debate. That will be the match of the night, depending on how long the duration will be in this match. Give me Pete Dunne to win this match. All right, I love me Tyler Bate. I am so impressed with this kid. He's, what, 20 years old, and he's living the dream right now. He's he's working for WWE. He's the first ever United Kingdom champion. He's been a name for himself throughout the wrestling world. That's great. But let's be honest. How could you prevent Pete Dunne from taking this belt? Pete Dunne, when all said and done, is going to be the face of this UK show, all right? Because, look, look, this UK show is now for real. It's going to be a legitimate thing, and you always need that top guy to lead the – to lead the show like Neville is for the Cruiserweights. Pete Dunne's going to be that for this show. And for in order for him to be the face of the show, he's got to become the champion. And I think it's the perfect time. All right, Tyler B has had a good run, but let's be honest. Pete Dunne is the better talent. He has the biggest future ahead of him. It has to happen. All right, if Bate wins, I won't be disappointed because I like Tyler Bate, but I think the right move here is to put the belt on Pete Dunne. He deserves it. He's one of the best in the world. He's the future of the UK show and could possibly be one of the future stars of WWE if they ever decide to put this guy 
on Raw or SmackDown. He's that freaking talented. So should be an awesome match. It's my pick for match of the night. But give me the bruiserweight Pete Dunne to walk out the new United Kingdom champion. Yeah, I think this is the match that's going to steal the show. It's definitely the one I'm looking forward to the most. And like I, like you said, Brian, I totally agree with you. I think Pete Dunne has to win this uh, big-time matchup right here. No better time to change hands uh, you know, for this belt. Again, this whole U.K. show is probably going to be taped anyways. So if they are going to change uh, you know, the belt, it's going to be on a taped show. You might as well do it when it's live in front of the live crowd in Chicago. It's going to be awesome, especially with Jim Ross on commentary. I mean, it would just add you know, the moment to be that much more special. So I think Pete Dunne is the new WWE UK uh, champion uh, when it's all said and done. Should be an outstanding match, man. I cannot wait for that. Uh, next matchup is for the tag team titles, and it is a ladder match. The first ever tag team ladder match in NXT history. DIY challenging the authors of pain for the tag team titles. I'm hearing rumors that when this match is over, we could see the eventual split up between Ciampa and Gargano. I'll believe it when I see it because we thought this was going to happen a long time ago. It hasn't happened. But anyways, Authors of Pain are going to retain the belts. All right? DIY is going to be on the main roster very, very soon. I definitely believe that. They're either going to come up as a tag team and go to Raw or SmackDown or they're going to separate each other and go to the Cruiserweight division. That's what I see happening. The Authors of Pain are not dropping these belts anytime soon. They're going to have a very long run as champions. Maybe not as long as Asuka, but they're going to have a long run nonetheless. I'm curious to see, though, how they fare in this type of match. We all know how Ciampa and Gargano can do in this environment. They've done it before. This will be the first time ever that these two guys, Akim and Razor, are in this type of match. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in this match. Should be physical. Should be fun. They have great chemistry together. But no-brainer here. Authors of Pain will retain the tag team titles. And what happens after, though... We'll see what happens. Will we see the split up between Gargano and Ciampa? Or will we see them go to the main roster? Who knows? That's left to be seen. But anyways, Authors of Pain will retain the tag team titles. Yeah, easily. Like you said, they're not dropping these belts anytime soon. I mean, I don't see anybody besides maybe Heavy Machinery who are going to take these belts off of these two guys. I mean, it's again, they're too unstoppable. There's no way they're going to lose here. Uh, like you said, yeah, it's, it's interesting, Brian, because you don't see too many of these gimmick matches. You don't really see ladder matches too much in NXT. Uh, so when they actually do happen, uh, it definitely adds more intrigue to the matchups. And again, like you said, um, you know, these two guys probably have never been in a ladder match before. Again, I don't know where these guys really came from. I didn't really care enough to look it up. Uh, but I, I can almost bet that they have never been in a ladder match before. So curious to see, like you said, how they fare in this type of environment. We all know what Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa could do, though. But, yeah, I mean, who knows if they're going to split up after this match or whatnot. Like you said, Brian, I'll believe it when I see it, too. But one thing I do know, Office of Pain will be the NXT Tag Team Champion still after this match. And then we got the women's title matchup as a triple threat match. It was supposed to be a fatal four-way, but because of Ember Moon's shoulder injury, it's now a triple threat match. Asuka continuing her undefeated streak and long reign as champion will defend the belt against Nikki Cross and Ruby Riot. I love Nikki Cross. She's a great talent. I like. I love Ruby Riot as well. But Asuka says it best. There is no one ready for Asuka. And that will be true yet again this Saturday when she retains this belt. And I'm at the point now where I just think that she has to come up to the main roster undefeated. Right? You cannot have her drop this belt to somebody in a match. I could definitely see them uh, calling her up and she just relinquishes the belt to somebody else. 
Because this is a big story going on, all right? She just passed Goldberg's undefeated streak, all right? She's over 174 wins during this run ever since she came to NXT. Keep it going. It's a hot topic right now. Keep it going, all right? Again, maybe at some point Ember Moon does beat her because, again, if there's anybody on the roster in that division capable of beating Asuka for that title, it's Ember Moon. But... I just don't see it happening. I just don't. I think they're going to continue this undefeated streak for a long time. And I think she'll come up to the main roster undefeated. It's a good story to tell. It's a hot topic. Keep it going. Riot and Cross should give Asuka a very good battle. But in the very end, Asuka will retain her championship. Yeah, this is the, probably the easiest pick of the night by far. There's no way she's dropping this belt. Like you said, Brian, she's undefeated. And, you know, again, who knows who's going to defeat her. I, uh, you know, I can, I agree with your point that she should go up to the main roster undefeated. That would be awesome, but I just don't see that happening. I do see Ember Moon beating her at some point, maybe at the Brooklyn show. Uh, I think that is where her run does come to an end. Uh, but for right now, she definitely retains this belt here in this uh, triple threat match now. Uh, yeah, and uh, we'll see how she works with these two girls. Uh, you know, of course, Nikki Cross, the last time she was in this kind of match, I think at San Antonio takeover, uh, she did quite well. She really impressed a lot of people. And I'm curious to see what Ruby Riot adds to the mix as well. So should be an interesting matchup, but easiest pick here of the night. Asuka easily retains this belt. And in the main event for the NXT title, Bobby Roode versus Hideo Itami. Should be a very solid match here. I'm excited as all hell for Itami that he's getting this opportunity. He deserves it. He's had so much go through. Go, uh, he had so much go through him before with all these injuries that have really derailed his run with NXT. Unfortunately, though, I don't see him winning this match. I just don't. I, I think this is what I'm thinking. Uh, after this match is over, Hatami will be on the main roster. I do believe that. I think he will be a part of 205 Live. I may not like that because I think Hatami's better than that, but that's what I see happening. They need more stars on 205 Live. They need more marquee names to, to, to bow for that belt. It's been Neville versus Aries for so long. They need newer faces to help out that show. And Tommy fits the bill. He fits the weight size. He fits the style of wrestling for that show. I think he'll be a part of it. I, I, do, I do. And uh, it's just unfortunate because I, I would love to see a Tommy on the main roster on Raw SmackDown. And I would also love to see him become champion in NXT. But I'm still also on the side that it's going to be Drew McIntyre. If there's anybody that's going to beat Bobby Roode, it's going to be McIntyre. I, I see that happening. If not McIntyre, then A-Lister Black. It's not going to be a Tommy. It's just... You know, Bobby Roode's on a good roll right now. He's right now the biggest act in NXT. He's the most over star in NXT. And he's going to continue this championship reign going to take over Brooklyn. I definitely think it's going to be McIntyre winning the match. I may be wrong, but one thing for sure, it's not going to be a Tommy, unfortunately. So should be a very solid matchup, but give me Bobby Roode to continue his reign as NXT champion. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's going to be a very solid match. I'm very much looking forward to seeing today with Tommy in the main event spotlight. Unfortunately, it's the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't think he's going to win. Bobby Roode will retain the spell. But, again, I'm looking forward to the match itself because I think it's going to be very, very good. Uh, yeah, like you said, Brian, I don't see anybody but Drew McIntyre taking the spell off of Bobby Roode. Uh, it's kind of blatantly obvious to me, but... You know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, one thing is for sure that I just I think he's definitely retained the belt here. Uh, but again, like I said, the match itself is going to be great. So uh, very much looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a very good match, and it's going to be a very good show, man. This could possibly be, in the very end, the best takeover show ever. It's one of the best takeover cards I've ever seen. So should be a good one this Saturday. Looking forward to it. And we'll finally cap it off with our predictions for Backlash, the first SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view of the new WWE year. 
should be a solid show. So let's quickly get into these matches. We'll first start off with the pre-show. Uh, Ty Dillinger versus Aiden English. Just a wasted match. Basically, a, a, uh, just a chance to get Ty Dillinger on the show. So easy pick here. The perfect tag will win over Aiden English. Yeah, easy pick here. Ty Dillinger needs something to do, right? So I guess throw him on the kickoff show because he'll be the next Tyler Breeze. He, this guy ain't getting nothing on the main roster. We all knew that. Uh, here we go. He's a perfect example of what his WWE main roster career is going to be. But uh, I think he'll pick up the win here. All right, moving on to another match that I just think is wasted. Luke Harper versus Eric Rowan. I mean, the story just is. They're former Wyatt family members. Now they have a rivalry. Just not a good story. Should be an okay match, but not the greatest. But uh, give me Harper to beat Rowan. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, just, you know, simply put, it's just, uh, you know... I don't even know what else to say, to be honest about it, but uh, I do think he'll pick up the win. Sami Zayn versus Baron Corbin. This could be a good match, but I don't, I don't see it going for long. It's going to be a very short matchup, I think, and I'm going to pick Corbin to win. It sucks because I love Sami Zayn, but I definitely see Baron Corbin getting a big push down the road. He's more of a safer bet in getting a bigger push than Sami Zayn. He could use this win. So could Sami, but uh, in this time, I think Corbin's going to get this win. So give me the lone wolf for the win. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough to predict. Uh, I think Sami Zayn needs it a lot. Uh, so I'm going to go with Sami Zayn. Uh, I think this rivalry will keep going past this pay-per-view. Uh, again, not a really intriguing rivalry, but it's something for Sami Zayn to do, something for Baron Corbin to do, I guess. So I'm going to go with Sami Zayn, but I do think this uh, feud goes past this pay-per-view. All right, moving on to the tag team title matchup between the Usos and Brizongo. I mean, first and foremost, great for Brizongo that they're getting this opportunity. But I have that fear that this is going to be a one-and-done deal, which would be which would be a shame because I think Brizongo deserves a lot better. Some people may not like him, but I love the chemistry between Fandango and Breeze. They're very underrated. They may come off as a little bit weird, but they're entertaining as hell. But, yeah, my fear is this is going to be a one-off and the Usos are going to retain this be these belts. I want to see this feud go on for a little while with the New Day out of action, but I'll see it happen. The Usos win this match and they will go on to a different challenger. So give me the Usos to retain the tag team titles. Yeah, I think so as well. Where do the Usos go from here after this? I mean, uh, what challengers do they go to? That's the main question. I mean, my God, there's like nobody left on the SmackDown tag team division. Uh, but, you know what, we'll worry about that when the time comes. I do look forward to this match just simply because, you know, Brizango is very entertaining. Uh, we haven't really seen them in big-time matchups. So this will be intriguing to watch, but I just don't think they win. I think the Usos definitely retain here. All right, moving on to our next matchup is the six women tag team match. Charlotte, Becky, and Naomi versus the Welcoming Committee. I don't like this match because I hate the story. Easy pick here. Give me the faces to beat the heels because I definitely think when this is all said and done, when the faces win, Charlotte will be back as a heel and she'll challenge Naomi. What does that mean for Becky Lynch? I don't freaking know, but I'm not interested in this match because I think it's stupid. It's unnecessary. But in the very end, give me the faces to knock off the heels. So Becky, Charlotte, and Naomi, they defeat the welcoming committee. I think the welcoming committee actually wins this match. I think Charlotte uh, turns on uh, Becky Lynch and Naomi, uh, remaining her as a heel. And I think the welcoming committee gets up uh, the win. And then Charlotte sets her sights on Naomi and then they start their feud. And where the welcoming committee goes from here, I don't know. But I think that's the way it's going to go down. Interesting. That that could definitely happen. So that's 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 interesting. But I just hate it overall. Uh, moving on, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Dolph Ziggler. This could be a very very good match. The story to me has been has been fine. Could be better. I see why they're saving Nakamura's first match 
until now because they could they definitely could have had Nakamura wrestle that one of these recent SmackDown shows, but they want to save it for for a special place. Even though Backlash is not that special, it is a pay per view. Should be a very fu- solid match. This is definitely the biggest lock of the night. Uh, Nakamura is winning this match. If they have Ziggler win this match, I I'm if I'm Nakamura, I'm going back to Japan. That would be the stupidest thing they would ever do, but they won't do that. They see big things in Nakamura, which is a great sign. Nakamura is going to be a big draw for this show, for this company, for the next couple of years. He's that good of a talent. So should be a good, exciting experience to see Nakamura on the main roster, wrestling a maiden name like Dolph Ziggler. But give me Shinsuke Nakamura to retain – not to retain. What am I saying? Uh, give me Nakamura to walk out as the winner of this match over Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, again, obviously, I mean, they're hyping up his debut. He's on the poster. He'll probably be on the freaking chair. I mean, this is the big deal for Nakamura uh, to be, you know, obviously debuting on the main roster and having his first uh, big-time matchup on a pay-per-view. So there's no way he loses his match. I mean, I don't even have any doubts. Uh, it's going to be incredible to see what him and Dolph Ziggler can do because we really haven't seen that. Uh, so I'm really much looking forward to that one. And, of course, the Chicago crowd is going to absolutely eat it all up. Uh, they're going to love it. Nakamura will pick up the win. Uh, this is, like, one of the most exciting things I'm looking forward to this Sunday. All right, moving on to the final two title matches of the evening. We have the United States Championship and probably the match of the night, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens. It's going to be a long feud. I think Owens will win this match by cheating. I don't see AJ winning this belt because I don't see AJ ever winning this belt. I think AJ will be back in the main event scene very, very soon. But for this match, it should be very fun, very exciting. These two have tremendous chemistry together. It's going to be the match of the night. Or maybe Nakamura or Dolph surprises us. But uh, in the very end, I think Kevin Owens cheats to win. It's not going to be a clean win for Kevin Owens. All right, That's not what happens in WWE. The heels always find a way to cheat to win. And we're going to see some sort of shenanigans where Owens cheats to win. So give me Owens to retain the U.S. title. Yeah, I think so as well. Like you said, it'll probably be by cheating. I don't think it'll be clean. Like you said, uh, AJ Styles is going to be back in the main event. I truly do believe that. I truly think that him and Randy Orton are going to have a feud Going throughout the summer, probably going to have a big-time matchup at SummerSlam. Uh, that's what I think is going to happen. So, yeah, I think Kevin Owens remains the United States champion here. Again, I don't know how he cheats. I don't know what goes down, but uh, I just don't think AJ wins. And in the main event for the uh, WWE Championship, Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal. Not a lot I'm going to say here, right? Again, you know my opinions on this. I'm not a fan of this idea of giving Mahal this opportunity this early. They should have saved it. They should have built this guy up, not rush him into this picture right away. It's going to be easy win for Randy Orton. A lot of people think Mahal's going to win this match. If he wins this match, man, that is beyond ridiculous. I'm sorry. He just doesn't deserve this opportunity right now. He has to earn it. He has it. I think what's going to happen, though, is that Randy's going to win this match. He's going to feud with Rusev for a little while. And then around SummerSlam time, him versus AJ or him versus Nakamura could be a possibility. Uh, I don't see Mahal winning this match whatsoever. The Singh brothers will get involved. We all know that. But Randy will overcome all of it. He will RKO Mahal and he will win this match easily. Give me Randy Orton to win the match. Yep, I think so as well. One and done for Jinder Mahal, that's for sure. Uh, Again, I don't think anybody's excited for this match. I'm not one bit uh, again, you know, it could be good. Jinder Mahal could, you know, surprise us and work really well with Randy Orton. Uh, you know, again, Jinder Mahal is not a bad worker. Uh, I just, again, I'm not invested in his character. Never was. I mean, he's always been a jobber up until this point. So why should we care about him? That's the main concern I have with this, not his wrestling ability. Uh, so who knows? Maybe it could be a good match. I'm curious to see how the Chicago crowd reacts to it. Uh, but again, one and done for Jinder Mahal. He's not going to win this match. Randy Orton will retain. Uh, and, and that's that. I mean, I don't know what happens from there, but 
Uh, you know, I think Randy Orton wins this easily, without a doubt. I'm not even scared at the possibility of Jinder becoming champion because I just think it's so unlikely of happening. All right, so there you have it. The Backlash Predictions is a crazy weekend in wrestling. Evolve 84 and 85, as well as TakeOver Chicago and Backlash as well tomorrow night. PWG's Head Like a Coal. Adam Cole's final PWG show should be an emotional one. So a lot is going on in wrestling. Also, the continuing best of the Super Juniors tournament will be going on this weekend. So, so much to get into. In terms of next week's show, people, right now, Thursday may not be where we will record our show. I got some stuff going where we may have a special guest next week. We may have to move our show to Tuesday. Keep uh, Stay tuned on our Instagram page for updates. I'll let you guys know what's going to happen next week. If we, ha- if we have a guest next week, it's, the show is going to be on Tuesday. If we don't, it will be back to our usual time, Thursdays, 4 p.m. on itsyourradio.com. Again, guys, if you want to follow us on social media, go right ahead on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. Uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. Follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Again, guys, also subscribe to our show on iTunes, on Stitcher. Give us a rating. What do you think about our show? We want to hear from you guys. And that's that. Hopefully everyone enjoys their weekend. Enjoy the wrestling that's going on this weekend. Should be a crazy weekend. And we'll see you guys next week. I'm Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Moderano. And this has been the Royal Ramble Podcast. We'll see you guys next week.